A fortnightly podcast about some great stealth slash stealthy video games and also some rubbish ones. On every episode, we go in-depth and all spoilery on one specific game and we discuss whether said game stealth and its boom boom are up to snuff. My name is Colin Ahern, and joining me on this episode, caution, these two lads are approaching. <laughs> it's Adam Carroll. Good evening. And alongside him is Josh Wise. Hello. It's important to always have a note of caution whenever anyone is approaching. Relentlessly. Mm. Yeah. Mm. 100%, which we will get onto later on in this podcast. But before we chat about the game we're discussing today, we do need to get into the right headspace. And that means looking at what was happening in the world on and around the date that today's game came out. So grab your party hats, blowers, confetti, and what have you, because tonight we're going to party like it's... February 28, 2019. Yes, only going back five years. And on the 23rd of February, English football manager Roy Hodgson became the oldest Premier League manager after taking charge of Crystal Palace at 71 years and 198 days old. And he has since barreled through that, adding about five or so years to his record and only very recently stepped down from his latest stint as manager at Palace. In sad news, on the 4th of March, a man that was a staple in the television viewing habits of many and probably in particular the generation before the three of us, perhaps, but... Beverly Hills 90210 actor Luke Perry passed away tragically at only 52 years oh, of age. Yeah. Sad. In lighter news, well, well I, I say lighter news, on the 26th of February, some bold pups broke into a church in Dublin, Ireland and stole the head of an 800-year-old mummy. You know, reading it out loud, it's actually, it's actually not that light. No, no. What do you mean a mummy? I don't mean a mother of children. I mean, <laughs> I mean a mummy. I mean a, a toot and camming job. I mean a... A mummified body. Yeah. What, just knocking about in a church willy-nilly with a mummy in there? It was on some tour. Oh, right. Okay, like a sort of relic type thing. That's pretty gnarly. Did they get caught? Um, I don't like it when you ask me follow-up yeah, questions. Yeah, this, this story's overtaken. It's overtaken left alive. <laughs> this is a real story now. I want to know where the mummy's head went. <laughs> Exactly. That's some extra reading for you because we need to get on to music and I need to tell you both that topping the charts in both America and the UK was, and this fact made me feel older than anything, uh, the person topping the charts was a woman who was already on her fifth album in 2019. It was Ariana Grande with Seven Rings. Oh, Jesus Christ. Fifth album? She was on five albums by 2019. That's insane. Wow. Staggering. I feel like Ariana Grande became notable, like, I don't know, 12 months ago or something. Yeah, I, don't I was going to say about, about feels, a year ago. <laughs> it's, it's mad. It's mad. That's getting old, I suppose. In movies, however, the number one film in America 
was the third in an animated movie series starring Jay Baruchel. It was How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, which I haven't seen, judging by your silence, and neither have no. you. The first one's good, I, though. No, I haven't even seen that, and everyone says the first one's, like, worth worth watching. So, but yeah, yeah, the first one is good, yeah. Meanwhile, in the UK, the number one film was the second in an animated movie series starring Chris Pratt, it was the crushingly disappointing Lego Movie 2, the second part. Ah, oh, would you say crushingly disappointing? I would because of the quality of the first one. Ah, but yeah. That's what was happening in the world on and around the date that today's game came out. But look, let's get into it and chat about the game that we are talking about today in a segment that we like to call Back of the Box. And yes, the game we are talking about today is Left Alive, not Left Alive. We have another dark situation. It's all caps, lads, and I would appreciate it if you respect their branding throughout the rest of this podcast. (laughs) Um, Now, what is Left Alive? Some of you may be asking yourselves. Well, Left Alive is a third-person stealth action game where three heroes try to navigate a war-torn city while myriad soldiers and Metal Gears try to kill them at all times. And I mean all times. (laughs) What did this come out on? It came to PC and PlayStation 4. Firstly, in Japan, yes, on the 28th of February 2019, and then a week later, worldwide, on the 5th of March 2019. So here is where we look at the back of the physical box. And in front of us here, we have the back of, well, all of us do, the back of our PlayStation 4 boxes that we all went and bought (laughs) for this, this podcast. And... I don't think there's much on the back of the box. It is actually pretty dry. The only thing that might be worth noting are the words there right in the middle of the box under a screenshot of uh, one of the mechs in the game. And it says, choices you make impact your story. Now, technically, that's true. (laughs) <laughs> but Mass Effect this is not I, I feel it's a, it's a bit cheeky yeah. it is a bit yeah. Yeah. now this is the part where I recap the story and oh my <laughs> god this is a very story heavy one for all of you mm. so listen I'm just gonna take a deep breath and I am gonna go hell for leather with this so <gasps> Firstly, some background. So sometime near the start of the 21st century, the makeup of the world has changed. Gone are your traditional countries replaced with much larger economic blocks. Wars are still fought, of course, which lead to the introduction of pilotable bipedal uh, mechs called Wanzers. In December 2127, in what we would call Eastern Europe, the Republic of Garmonia declared war on the smaller neighbouring Republic of Ruthenia by invading the city of Novoslava, which borders the two countries. Garmonia overwhelmed Ruthenia and destroyed the Ruthenia army. And this is where Left Alive's interweaving story of three heroes truly begins. But before I properly begin, yes, as I said, there are points in Left Alive where you are given dialogue options and it's implied that these options can change the outcome of certain situations. Eh, they don't really. But look, I'm just going to give you my account of events, but it's not going to be wildly different to anyone else's (laughs) per se. Firstly, with the most annoying of the bunch, Staff Sergeant Mikhail Shuvalov. Uh, This rookie Ruthenian 
army Wanzer pilot navigated the city of Novoslava, looking for the remainder of his now obliterated squad, with the help of a talkative Ruthenian army AI helper, Koshka. Eventually, after some crafting and sneaking, and after finding one of his squad mates, Mikhail encounters a huge baseball fan called Ivan Zajtsev. Uh, he has a gun and he shoots his uh, Mikhail's squad mate dead. I can't stress enough how much Ivan loves baseball. He is a big baseball fan. Anyway, he walks off without explaining who he is, we learn later. We're then introduced to our second hero, captain of the Novoslava police and former Garmonian soldier, Olga Kalanina. While Garmonian forces invade Ruthenia, Olga is caught off guard. She was investigating a missing persons case in the slums. She discovers a scared little girl called Yulia, whom she tries to calm by showing her a cat toy that she just handily had in her pocket, and then she meows at her. Genuinely. Anyway, they get separated, so Olga goes back to her search, leading her to an abandoned hospital where she meets a grizzled, scarred, bearded major in the Garmonian army, Andre Borodin. Olga served under him during her time in the army. Uh, they have a tense exchange where Borodin makes some remark about Olga's daughter dying and sort of, why are you fighting for these Ruthenians that killed your daughter, kind of thing. Anyway, Olga suspects Borodin has something to do with her missing por- person's case. It ends in a shootout. Olga escapes. Back to our annoying rookie, Mikhail, who is still on the search for more army pals, but instead he meets a French war journalist called Patrick Lemaire. Uh, you know he's French because he pronounces his S's like Z's, so soldiers becomes soldiers. It's very <laughs> handy. Lemaire guarantees Mikhail... Uh, that they can get out of the city but Lemaire first wants Mikhail to find a politician called Vladimir Bunin Mikhail, um, or Lemaire believes this war broke out because someone stole plans for a new Wanzer model from the UCS which is basically a unified North and South American state Lemaire thinks that the plans are in Novoslava and that this politician knows something about it so Mikhail goes politician hunting uh, he gets wrapped up in another shootout in the streets and this is where he meets Olga the cop uh, both fight off the threat protecting the same little girl Olga meant, met earlier uh, Yulia. Yulia, she, we find out, is an orphan of the war who, we are told, was raised in a foster facility. She's spooked by the whole thing and runs away. During her search, Olga comes across that baseball fan from earlier, Ivan. Uh, this is also where we learn there's another state and army at play here. The Zaftran army, which Ivan is a part of. What the hell are they doing here? Oh my God. Anyway, Olga learns there's something about dodgy ones are being built and she heads for the harbour where it's said to be being built. In the sewers, Olga catches a glimpse of a man called Ruslan Ismailov, the former leader of the NGF the freedom fighters for Novoslava's liberation from Garmonia. He apparently died two years ago at the hands of the NGFP member, Leonid uh, Osterman, who had been in prison because of the murder. So, you know, it's uh, something's up. He's meant to be dead. Oh, what's going on? And then, oh, gasp! Oh, incredible. Olga meets Leonid, Leon, uh, our third playable hero of the game. Incredible drama. Leon runs off and into the city to try and find Ruslan as Leon is he's not too happy with being framed for the murder and ending up in prison for years. Meanwhile, Mikhail heads to that politician I mentioned earlier who's having the illegal ones are transported to the city's harbour. The politician is gone down, but Mikhail retrieves a memory card from the body and runs off after the Zaftra... Uh, Army's biggest baseball fan fires bullets in Mikhail's direction. Leon actually saves Mikhail here and they find shelter where they have a conversation where Leon is the coolest gruff bastard ever and Mikhail is just a little annoying brat. Uh, Mikhail then meets up with journal Patrick Lemaire and hands over the memory card he got off the politician's body telling him that the Wanzer is in the harbour. Lemaire tells Mikhail to head to the slums as Lemaire thinks that's where Mikhail will find more info on this Wanzer because he believes that's where it was uh, manufactured. Olga, already at the harbour, finds the 
little girl, Yulia, trapped in a cage when old Scarface, Major Borodin, makes his entrance. At this point, Olga concludes that her missing persons case from earlier revolves around the trafficking ring that Borodin is involved with. Borodin says he moved people with the help of both Ruthenian and Garmonian governments. This thing goes all the way to the top. Oh my God. <laughs> Borodin takes the little girl with him, locking Olga in the cage, when in walks Ruslan Ismailov. Borodin promises Ruslan the mech, then Ruslan shoots Borodin dead and takes the girl with him because he is a baddie. Back to Mikhail, who's in the slums. He sees Ruslan, who is chatting with Sofia Alexeva, who is a former NGFP secretary. She's crossed with Ruslan for lying and leaving the NGFP for dust. Ruslan don't give a fuck and he walks off. Uh, he says he's fighting for all of humanity or something. Uh, Sofia heads out to meet up with Leon. However, later on, Leon is actually in a park having a gunfight with his old pal Ruslan. Ruslan speaks in riddles about what's going on, but he sounds dead cool while doing it, so it's fine. Anyway, Leon wins the fight and shoots about six bullets in Ruslan's chest to make sure he's dead and walks off. Problem solved. <laughs> Leon and Sophia eventually meet up where Sophia reveals she knew some of Ruslan's plans about the ones are in that, I think. She says a lot of words here, I don't know. Either way, she tells Leon to get to the harbour, take the ones and get out of Novoslava. Mikhail finds the illegal ones are here as well as journal Patrick Lemaire at the harbour. Lemaire says that a Zaftran corporation manufactured this uh, mech. At this point, we're introduced to another group by Lemaire. He says that Samargal, which sounds a lot like Schmiegel, actually, um, <laughs> a nationalist group, uh, this Samargal is a nationalist group that controls Zaftra, and they are using the people of Novoslava, who are affect- affected by the war, to research a virus called MODS. Uh, at some point before this, as memory serves, we learned that Yulia, the little girl, is also affected, as experiments were conducted on kids within that foster facility. Uh, Samargal arranged for the war to break out because they're just real rotters. Old baseball boy shows up again and he takes Mikhail and Lemaire captive. <gasps> Deep inhale of breath again. Once Leon gets to the harbour, he gets himself a wanzer and starts blowing shit up, helping Lemaire and Mikhail. Mikhail makes some quip that falls d- completely flat. Anyway, later on, our three heroes meet up and plan an escape by using a helicopter that Patrick Lemaire is sending them. Olga, firstly, wants to save Yulia, who she finds on the mean streets of Novoslava. She talks the kid out of killing herself which is quite the cutscene but it is possible to not talk her out of it I believe then outside the building where the helicopter is going to land Mikhail and old slugger Ivan have a big wanzer fight Ivan says something like it's the bottom of the ninth before the fight which is obviously brilliant Mikhail wins the child is a rookie no more then Leon makes his way inside the skyscraper that the helicopter is landing on and clears the inside of the building of bad guys when out pops Ruslan but he was dead well he's not and they have one last gunfight oh and Ruslan is a fucking son Anyway, Leon wins and shoots Ruslan through the eyeball. So, like, it's job done, you know? Uh, Leon makes his way to the roof and then, oh no, here comes Ruslan again in a huge wanzer. In order to defeat Ruslan, Leon needs to, uh, he needs Patrick Lemaire's help. Uh, Lemaire's in an attack plane up in the sky. Ruslan uses a shitty Hammer of Dawn thing to target the mech and Lemaire explodes Ruslan from the sky. Anyway, our three heroes then escape Novoslava and the city is under control of an international peacekeeping army. And that's the story most people will see in Left Alive. But, take a little pause... (laughs) The game has side missions that we will discuss later and I think if you complete all those side missions successfully or at least a considerable portion of them you get a bit of a a secret ending I suppose. Uh, Ruslan gives more of an explanation as to what's going on 
So he tells Leon that Samargal acquired a computer system called M3 that can predict the future. Ruslan says it predicted an awful future for humanity. It's He says like overpopulation and that, uh, which is why he puts it, his group are trying to prevent that by controlling the population with the virus. So uh, while only the really dedicated will see it, I can confirm this is a sort of to be continued as well because at the end you hear Koshka there's a kind of a post credit scene and Koshka says something like end of phase one or something along those lines <laughs> so you can add Left Alive to that pile of <laughs> games that didn't get a sequel 13 PsyOps and Deus Ex The Fall we have another one but again I would guess most players of this game if you see it out you're probably not going to uh, see the for lack of a better term, the real ending. And that is your story of Left Alive. A lot happens. So the developer then of this one is Elinx or Ilinx. It's I-L-I-N-X. I'm going with Elinx. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that properly. I, I apologise yeah. if I'm not. I think it is. So Elinx is a Japanese studio that was founded in late 2010 by CEO Hiroyuki Tanaka. Before we get into it, there is absolutely shite all on the <laughs> English-speaking part of the internet about this developer. That's mainly because their games haven't penetrated the West all that frequently. That's obviously not going to stop me trying at the very least, but I will say this isn't going to be the most extensive profile you've ever heard in this podcast because I need to specify, I am going to be working off materials I found on the company's website, mainly, well, partly the blog of one uh, Mr. Tanaka, the man who founded the studio. Now that blog is in Japanese, so I am using Google Translate, so I guess keep that in mind. (laughs) So as I said, they were set up in late 2010 and got to work on two games, one on PS3 and one on PSP. Uh, I'll get to that in a sec though, because I did want to talk about how in-depth parts of Hiroyuki Tanaka's blog is. I mean, I can tell you that on the 21st of January 2011, Tanaka set the company's bank account up. And that's marvellous, because uh, in this blog, Tanaka said, on this date, he said, quote, To be honest, I was nervous about what I would do if I couldn't open an account by payday. Please be careful when starting a business. Jesus, please. Come on, for God's sake. On the whole, Tanaka's blog focuses on a lot of the dry aspects of management, let's say. And there are blogs about things... As well, like they had a barbecue and I think there's like a tournament, (laughs) kind of a gaming, you know, a team building exercise kind of thing. But in those early years, uh, there isn't actually a lot of, we just released X game today. But I think, and I'm well aware this could be wrong, so I do apologise, but I think that first game they worked on turned out to be Gundam Breaker, which ended up coming out on PS3 and PS Vita in June 2013. Uh, This was a hack and slash slash series that had a couple of sequels, Gundam Breaker 2 in 2014, Gundam Breaker 3 in 2016, I cannot tell you much more about that series, to be honest. In 2018, Illinx uh, released their next game, and this is one you can buy in the West quite easily, actually. It's called Black Clover Quarter Nights. This is a 4v4 action game that has a 53 Metacritic score, so it didn't announce the developer's arrival to the West as such, but it took a long time. I will let Mr. Tanaka via Josh Wise tell you how long. So he said, quote, Approximately eight years have passed since its establishment. It took quite a while. 
there's still more DLC and titles to be released next year, so I'll keep working hard. The game we're talking about today, Left Alive, was announced at PlayStation's Tokyo Game Show 2017 press conference, and shortly after, Japanese publication Famitsu revealed a few notable names on the development team. So you had game director Toshi Fumi Nabashima, who had previously worked on the Armored Core and Dark Souls series. You had producer Shinji Hashimoto, who co-created Kingdom Hearts, and artist Yoji Shinkawa is a name we've spoken about on this podcast before. He is, of course, uh, or was a huge part of the Metal Gear Solid team. Now, one series that producer Shinji Hashimoto was also involved in was Front Mission. I'm not going to go through the complete history of Front Mission, mainly because I am no expert, let me tell you, but as quickly as possible. Front Mission is primarily, I'm led to believe, a turn-based RPG series that began in 1985. The first Front Mission to come out in the West was Front Mission 3 in the year 2000 on PlayStation 3. Its story takes place in the 21st and 22nd uh, centuries around war. You know, it's basically Left Alive. And war often means fighting in these massive mechs. So Left Alive is a spin-off taking place between these two games, taking place between Front Mission 5 and Front Mission Evolved. Lovely. Uh, speaking to Famitsu in 2017, producer Shinji Hashimoto said, quote, We wanted to make a Front Mission with a new lineup. We started this new title to see Front Mission in a slightly different perspective. Square Enix wanted to convey the feeling that we cherish Front Mission. And look... To include much more would be cannibalising our pre-launch marketing and press coverage section of the podcast, so we'll stop there. So that is quite the truncated story of developer Elinks up until the launch of Left Alive. So the publisher then of this one, it was Square Enix. So we've covered the life and times of Square Enix from its inception up to 2013 in our Deus Ex The Fall episode from season one, so give that a listen for more. So we pick up around 2013 when the company was going through a bit of of a tough time. Both Tomb Raider and Hitman Absolution hadn't done well as they expected and the company projected losses of around 10 billion yen. And there was a lot of moving and shaking at the top level as well, including the departure of one man, a man we've mentioned many times on this podcast, and I'm sure we will in the future, the man given the title of Life President, Sir Ian Livingston. Uh, he departed Square Enix in September 2013. In 2014, the Square Enix Collective launched, which was the company's initiative to find smaller games, publish them, while allowing the developers to retain creative control. It's provided some decent-sized games in the past 10 years, in fairness. Another win for the company was 2014's RPG, Bravely Default, which then resulted in the company saying they were going to focus on their core roots of JRPGs more. Uh, this was backed by the company's founding of its new internal studio, Tokyo RPG Factory, which pre-Left Alive, uh, they made I Am Setsuna and Last Sphere. There were other studios that they established and closed down this time. There were other suits that moved jobs. But one big story that I am intentionally leaving out that we will discuss further in about 2041 or something is that in 2017, IO Interactive bought the rights to Hitman back off Square Enix. But yes, a story for another time. So there's your little Square Enix update up until the launch of Left Alive in 2019. So the sales then of Left Alive. I can't tell you an awful lot, which, you know, is never a good sign. Um, mm. What I can tell you is that during its launch week on PlayStation 4, the game sold approximately 17,622 uh, physical copies, which meant that it charted at number five 
one place above Pokemon, let's go Pikachu, and one place below, here's a blast from the past, Anthem. Yes, as in Bioware's Anthem. But uh, I have no idea what happened after that week. The critical reception then of this one on both PlayStation 4 and PC, Left Alive has a Metacritic score of 37. And that is your Left Alive back of the box. So, dear listener, what you are going to hear next, and then we are going to talk about it in our marketing and press coverage section of this podcast, you are going to hear the audio for the Left Alive launch trailer. Left Alive, the only option is survival launch trailer. So you take a listen to that and then we will come back on the other side to talk about it. So we'll be back right after this. 21250403 It's the day our hero died. they teach rookies not to go wandering around on their own anymore? some marketing and press coverage for Left Alive and let us begin by yes discussing the Left Alive the only option is survival launch trailer which was posted to YouTube on the 5th of March 2019 and you know as I always do I like to just I don't know feel the temperature of the room and trying to get both of you to picture yourself on the 5th of March 2019 seeing this trailer and tell me what you what you would have been thinking at the time so Josh 
tell me you see this trailer on this date what are your thoughts I'm not like a big mech <laughs> mech guy you, you, you know there's a real people like mechs mecha they call it uh, Gundam and all that sort of stuff the kids must love you oh I know <laughs> I, I, my, I got my finger on the pulse I mean and I love Metal Gear but I don't love it because of Metal Gear. Like, I'm not like, oh my... I mean, that is a cool... But, you know, Metal Gear Rex looks kind of cool. Anyway, so I'm watching this trailer and, like, the story... Uh, it, 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 it's one of those trailers where it puts in, you know, a chunk of story. It really tries to sort of sell you on the story. Oh, you're going to be playing this for the story. But it looks a little bit rubbish, in my opinion. The guy looks like Brian Fury from Tekken. And then... <laughs> Mi- Mikhail's a twat, and you can tell he's a twat even in this trailer. Um, and then there's loads of mechs running about shooting stuff. Kind of misrepresent... It makes it look like there's loads of mech stuff and there's not nearly enough mech stuff in this game. So I think if I saw this trailer, I'd sort of be like, hmm, not a big mech guy. And then I'd be like, hmm, story looks a bit shit. But then I guess I'd be like, oh, it's Yoji Shinkawa. Maybe that's... Mm. But then I'd be like, well, yeah, but that's... He's like Mr. Visual Design. And if the visual design in the trailer didn't get me, what hope is there for... So I think I'd, I can't remember what, because I must have actually seen this trailer at some point. And I think I, I just would have just gone, eh, probably not. Adam, again, you see this at the time. What are your thoughts? Uh, similar enough to Josh, but I think I would still be more inclined to be like, ah, yeah, I'd, I'd play this. Um, I think it has the tone of this type of game that I'm kind of into, I suppose, while, while it's presenting anyway. Uh, like, it looks like it's going to have, like, off this trailer, it looks like it's going to have really lengthy cutscenes, dramatic performances, over-the-top kind of story. And then once it gets to the mech stuff, which, as you said, Josh, a lot of people go cuckoo bananas for, I'd be kind of like, ah, all right, damn. I'd be like, I hope it's not all this. <laughs> it, it does present itself as being you do a lot of this and then there's a lot of drama outside of it then and that's the way it is but I would have been interested for sure well you two are squares <laughs> I, I can see you're, you're the four corners on both of you losers uh, because this is a this is a cool trailer are you into mecha are you a big mecha guy so I, I'm not I'm not but you know I'm like there's big Metal Gear and we'll say this trope like there's big Metal Gear vibes the story seems big and like a bit silly but a bit serious and a bit you know it's like it's giving off big Metal Gear vibes so I would have seen this and gone all right. Mm. Looks like there's a lot of lot of action in this. A lot of shooting. You left your house and you saw this trailer and you drove to your nearest GameStop and pre-ordered it. I said, I'll have 10 copies, please. <laughs> yeah. And it is clever of them as well, just to note in this first trailer, it's not bad marketing because you can definitely tell that, like, they're sort of poking people a bit because in Metal Gear Solid games, you don't, the one thing that you basically never get to do is actually pilot a Metal Gear. Mm. So like, it's kind of cool that they're like, hey, look, we're doing all that stuff. But in our one, you drive them around as well. So it's, it's, it's not bad. It's interesting at least, right? And I suppose I I should say, like I mentioned, yes, this is a spinoff of the Front Mission series. Like, but in the West, Metal Gear's penetration, like this is what, this is trying to 
get the Metal Gear audience. Yeah. And it did that with like a lot of its trailers and by God, we're not going to go through all of them, but there were, there was just trailer after trailer mm. after trailer for this thing. A lot of them are very similar. A lot of very story-based, cutscene, dialogue-based trailers. Maybe that should would have been a sign at the time. I don't know. Uh, but there was even a lovely little time-lapse video of artist Yoji Shinkawa doing one of his uh, lovely little Metal Gear concept art style drawings, but obviously for the Left Alive characters. It's very nice. I thought it was amazing. Like... His artwork is, is is it's so it's so mad, and I think that that little time lapse uh, trailer is well worth like anyone watching. Really, it's super impressive. Another thing, another bit of marketing that they published about a month before launch was uh, they showed us the, the I guess the special edition, and the the video I wanted to talk about more so was the Left Alive European Mech Edition unboxing. Don't know why it's called an unboxing. It's literally not. Nobody like takes a box and goes, "Here's a cool mech you can get." No, it's not that. No. But it is a swanky trailer mm. with the music, and it's just <laughs> fast cuts. Bam, bam, bam. Here's what you get. Um, but obviously, as I said, like I was pre-ordering ten copies of the regular edition and then ten copies of the Mech Edition <laughs> because if yeah. there's one thing I like, it's robots big that can mecha, walk around. Big Mecha guy. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, there was also a US version of this, but. It, the European one it's just way way more frantic way just way more full yeah. of life Yeah, I suppose I was talking about the, the music I quite like it it's Metal Gear as fuck yeah. Um, yeah. J- just to mention it and also it bridges the gap between the unboxing of the Mech Edition and the next thing we are going to talk about which is a video that was posted on the 7th of February 2019 titled Left Alive the music of Left sorry I'm not pronouncing it properly the music of Left Alive at Abbey Road Studios So before we talk about it, I want to play a clip of orchestrator Jordan Siegel talking about how much freedom he had to play with the score while recording. So take a listen to this. Almost every cue, Iwasaki-san, our composer, he would send me uh, a little description with some adjectives and he'd say, this music needs to be really epic. This is our big battle scene and it's heroic, it's epic, it's fun. And he said, so if you see anything that you want to change, feel free. And so having that freedom was very interesting and I hadn't had that on most projects of saying, yeah, if, if you think you should change what the violins are doing, feel free to. This is what we're going for and this is what I already have. But uh, if you'd like to change it, feel free, which was, which was fun. I'd love to know what he was thinking when he said, like, here's the music I have written. If you want to change it, crack on, pal. Um, I'd I'd, I'd love to get more context on that. But yeah, as I said, because I I don't think we were going to talk about it later on. I think the music's all right. Again, it's big Metal Gear vibes. It is. The the, the funny thing about the music in this game, and it's like a lot of its other elements, is that it's like quite impressive in isolation. Like... It's like, oh, it's really good to see Yoji Shinkawa do some brilliant artwork and stuff. But then it, it's like it doesn't all come together. Like the music's cool and, and watching them uh, record that at, at Abbey Road and, and stuff was, you know, really sweet. But then in the game, it's like often the music for me just like it doesn't really fit the scene that's actually happening like it's okay it's, it's okay like a lot of the time but there's a scene i'll talk about later when the music's just one of the most outrageous things um okay well we'll we'll put a pin in that for the time being then so another thing i want to talk about is just titled curiously don't know why but it's called left alive developer diary now what it is in truth is like a half an hour 
interview, 36 minutes actually, um, of Toshifumi Nabashima, Yoji Shinkawa, and Takeyuki Yanase, who is the, the game director, Yoji Shinkawa, the, the character designer, and the mech designer, Takeyuki Yanase. Yeah, so it's not a developer diary as we know. It is just kind of them fielding interviews from, like it's an official piece of matter, it's fielding interviews from Square, from the, whoever it is, and getting yeah. them to answer. But game director Nabashima, he was asked the question, where did the idea of making the game a real challenge for the players come from? And it is something we will 100% get into more, but I guess maybe, well, I suppose I mentioned that, like, you know, everything is always trying to kill you. A very, very challenging game. We will develop that thought as we go on. But yes, he was asked, where did the idea come from? And he said, quote, Well, I might get in trouble for saying this, but I really had no intention of making it difficult. <laughs> but for this game, and I mentioned this earlier as well, the freedom and the fact that you can use so many different strategies is one thing I wanted to accomplish. So if you looked at this differently, you could say that you can finish the game in any way. If you were able to finish the game by simply firing your gun the whole time, you wouldn't branch out and use other methods, even if those were a possibility, I think. So let's build a bridge between our last piece of marketing and our first piece of pre-launch press coverage, which also talks about uh, the difficulty of the game. Because in an interview with Jewel Shockers posted on the 26th of October 2018, Left Alive interview Square Enix on piloting Wanzers, which are the mech, uh, making a front mission successor and more. So again, game director Tashifumi Nabashima was asked... Um, if the game was inspired by Dark Souls's trial and error, because as I said, he'd come from From Software, worked on Armored Core and Dark Souls. And Nabashima said, quote, While it may not be directly about Dark Souls, something I learned in many years at From Software is game design revolving around the idea of achievement and overcoming obstacles. There are many different ways to think about how to make games and what they should give people. And certainly there are many who think games should have broad appeal and please everyone regardless of skill level uh, and effort. Of course, those games are perfectly valid, uh, but what I like making and want to do is perhaps a little more niche. Uh, some will like it and some won't. I'm making games for people who love this kind of thing. Of course, it would be great if many loved what I make, but... Even if there are many who aren't big fans of this kind of approach, it's still what I enjoy making. Now, funnily enough, just under two months, just under two months after launch, as part of update 1.03, a, quote, casual mode, that's what it was called, was added to the game. And I have this from Square Enix's post about it on their website. So, quote, while Left Alive remains an intriguing tactical stealth and survival experience, there are some players who want to also be able to play through the story as a more straightforward action game. The new casual mode gives them a way to do that. It's designed specifically for, for people who want to play Left Alive as more of a shooter. So, for, for clarity, in that mode, your attacks are stronger, your enemies do less damage, and they die more easily, your ammo limit is increased, and your mechs are more durable too. Again, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that further. Another quote from this interview, producer Shinji Hashimoto was asked why they didn't include front mission in the name of the game. You know, they, they dropped it. A lot of us, I mean, I did, 
thought it was just a new series. So Hashimoto said, quote, We thought it was a way to show the newness of the franchise and it would help to have a different name to show that it's a new direction. All the lore is still very much the front mission universe. The names, the wonders, the locations, the historical events in the series are all there. People who know Front Mission will get straight away that this is a Front Mission game. The name Front Mission is very closely tied to the idea of the traditional strategy style of gameplay. To give that impression of a different genre of game, we change the name. I, I guess it makes sense. Yeah. It felt like this was their play for a more of a Western audience. And maybe if it's Front Mission colon left alive, maybe you turn people off. Another article here posted on 4Gamer which was a Japanese site. So keep in mind, I am using Google Translate for this for this quote, but this was an article just titled Interview with Director Toshifumi Nabashima, which was posted on the 27th of February 2019. And during the interview, Nabashima is again talking about difficulty and <laughs> the lack of stealth kills comes up. And this is something we'll get onto, but basically in normal mode, you have, there, there is no kind of takedown option. With a melee weapon, you have to like whack your guy about three times from behind. You don't just like press a button and he magically kills him. On this, Nabashima said, quote, There was a debate within the development team as to whether or not to introduce stealth skills. However, if you have real stealth skills, a skilled player can secretly eliminate all enemy soldiers. This game is neither third-person shooter nor stealth but a survival action game. The goal is to survive, so the player has to choose the means and path to do so. Whether it's running away or fighting, there are people who carefully observe the enemy and advance without being detected, and there are people who hit the enemy from behind with a metal pipe and run through while they're down. So there is a wide variety. I mean, from my own personal experience, I was quite surprised that there wasn't a stealth kill from behind. Absolutely. There's not, but when you thump them with a pipe... You can knock them to the ground. Yeah, it's like when they're on the ground, a thing pops up that says press R1 to absolutely thump them. We'll get to this. (laughs) Right, right. Now, um, two articles that I wanted to to bring up because I guess we haven't approached this yet, but this, uh, properly, but this game was... (laughs) Shrouded in controversy at its launch. Now, an article here from Silicon Era, which was posted on the 2nd of March 2019, titled Square Enix appears to have disabled streaming for Left Alive amidst a rough debut in Japan. And in the article, it says that within three days of launch, players were blocked from streaming the game directly on their PS4s, so using the built-in options. Um, It was getting overwhelmingly poor reviews on Amazon Japan and it was within three days it was 44% off on Amazon Japan which is you know never a good sign. (laughs) Another article here from Polygon titled Patch Returns Streaming to Left Life Following Dubious Absence which was posted four days later on the 6th of March. Now uh, the article does mention that there was a, a patch that allowed not the patch I mentioned about the casual mode but a different patch that allowed players to stream again but Square didn't actually explain what had prevented players from streaming in the first place so it, it was like 
I don't know, it just seemed a little bit odd. Um, also, the article spoke about initial impressions for Western players because, of course, it had been out for a very short period of time in the West at this point. And the article says, quote, On Steam, the PC version has a very negative rep among the 220 user reviews so far. Some have dinged it for poor optimization, which either uses a ton of resources for ordinary looking graphics or worse, drag the frame rate down to unplayable levels. Now, we played it five years after launch. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. you know, we, we will talk about whether we ran into some technical issues or not. But yes, that is your pre-launch marketing and press coverage for Left Alive. So we are going to take a quick break and then, yes, we will actually get into it and discuss the previous two weeks the three of us have had with this very game. So we will be back right after this. All right then, and it is now time to tell you, dear listener, what we thought of Left Alive. But you know what? For a change, let's talk about our knowledge of the game before we played it for this very podcast. Adam Carroll. Did you know what Left Alive was? I certainly did. I remember it being around GameStop and stuff and I was kind of like, ooh, Metal Gear vibes, here we go. And yeah, I was definitely going to go for it until the week of reviews landed. And I went, ooh, do you know what? I will save my 60 bucks for the moment. Josh, (laughs) did you have knowledge of Left Alive before you played it for this podcast? Uh, Yeah, I knew of it. But the first I heard of it was all these shonky reviews. And I knew a bit. I knew about it because it was like, oh, it's the it's the Yoji Shinkawa game. And it's meant to be really bad. That's really sad. I would say you definitely knew of it. And I would say from launch, because we were working together at a video games website (laughs) when this was announced and when it came out. I found that, yeah, I I wrote a couple of news articles on it. Not many. Yeah, so so I was very much aware of it. It It must just be like that rush of bad reviews that stuck in the memory. But yeah, perhaps I had heard of it before. I don't even remember now. But yes, the critical response definitely made me go, oh, maybe this isn't Mm. worth giving a go. As I said, what was it, 37 or 8 Metacritic score? Like this thing was absolutely ravaged. A lot of it was, no, the gameplay aspects, as I said, but like a lot of people thought it was too hard. They introduced more uh, difficulty options, which we'll get on to. Also, there were tons, tons of technical issues. Now, I will say, I'll just kind of slip this in here. Like, I'm not going to talk about technical issues because I didn't run into any. This game ran for me perfectly. There, there was no bugs. It didn't crash. It didn't whatever. Now, again, I played it on PS4, as did Josh, as did Adam. And the main reason, I had already bought it on Steam and Josh <laughs> looked at the the, um, the Steam forums and a lot of people were saying, I think this is just broken. <laughs> so I guess we can't speak to the state of it currently in 2024 on Steam, but at least on PS4, I mean... I didn't run into anything. I don't know if either of you did. No, no, mine, mine, mine was all right. It, it yeah, like the game doesn't doesn't run br- like brilliantly, if you know what I mean. Like it's like it's not the smoothest frame, but it's there. Yeah, there was no like bugs, and I, I didn't crash to the dashboard. It was yeah, it was fine. I think we can safely say we played the definitive version <laughs> yeah, yeah, of yeah. Left Alive. Now, 
some people at home listening may not have played Left Alive, the definitive version or otherwise. So they may be kind of going, I want to know actually what this is. So Left Alive is a third person stealth action game with a survival game bent. So to break those up, the largest portion of the game sees you sneaking around, going into cover, crouching just around the place, trying to avoid enemy guards, flying enemy um, um, robot spotlights and the like. Uh, while you're doing that, you must find resources that can be crafted into all manner of gadgets and tools for you to use, such as explosive cans or traps that you can set in the ground or just stuff like that. You also have guns at your disposal, obviously, uh, for those moments where your stealth approach either goes wonky or those sections of the game where it's a forced shootout. In Left Alive, you play as three different characters, controlling one at a time in the 14 different open world style levels. I should add, they're each character, they're all basically the same. The main difference is that not every character can pilot wanzers, a word we have said throughout. And if you don't know, you'd be like, what's that? I think I said earlier, but wanzers are the big hulking pilotable mechs. You're, I mean, Josh, you said that you're basically getting into the front seat of a Metal Gear. Mm. And these Wanzers are all boom, boom, which we <laughs> will get onto. But yeah, that's basically how Left Alive works. And how our reviews work is we split uh, the games that we talk about into uh, different sections. We first talk about a game stealth, then we talk about its boom boom, which are its more explosive bits and just other gameplay bits as well. We also talk about the most noteworthy mission level or area that stood out to us. Then we talk about the story. And then we have a little miscellaneous section at the end where we just mention anything that we have failed to mention earlier. So firstly, the stealth of Left Alive. And before we discuss anything, and this does somewhat apply to the boom boom, and it's something we've already touched on. But I'm going to say that this is a bigger problem in the stealth sections because that is the majority of the game. We do need to talk about Left Alive's difficulty. It was a topic that was brought up even with the developers in interviews before the, the game came out. And as we say, it was an issue with players. They said it was too hard. So the game was patched and it did include more difficulty options which would allow players to, I guess, in theory, play through more of the game. I will say that, just kind of slight aside, whenever we play a game for this podcast that has difficulty options, I will always try and complete it on normal difficulty because, you know, that, that's the default. Mm-hmm. It's normal, it's reg- It's like this is the one. And I think it's, you know, it, it's best to judge these games by playing them on normal. Uh, like, I, I'm not, ma- I don't care one jot if someone plays every game on easy, every game on, game on hard, whatever. I'm just telling you how I approach these games for for this podcast. Now, for still uh, for Left Alive, I played the first two levels on normal difficulty. I played the third level and about half of four on the difficulty below that, which is called light. And then I played from the second half of level four all the way to the end on the lowest difficulty, the one they introduced that we mentioned, casual. And the reason for this is simple. Left Alive is balanced terribly. Fucking terribly. Let's rewind a little. So I I would say the majority of the game's maps are open areas. You go into the occasional building or down a more cramped alley or whatever. But like the maps are often these pretty large open spaces. And your goal 
most of the time, is to completely avoid the enemies. You're weak, they're strong, pretty much. So, you know, you... You crouch around Novoslava, picking up all these bits of scrap in order to craft yourself some things that will help you along the way. And we'll, we'll talk about that more in a bit. So I'll try and tackle this as best as I can. Those large open areas, um, it does mean that you can see an awful lot of your enemies before you approach. And I'm a fan of that because like, you know, in lieu of something like a radar, although I do want to talk about the enemy sensor later, which I do like. Uh, that's kind of a replacement for that. But anyway, we'll get onto that. Um, yeah, in lieu of a radar, minimap, whatever, I do enjoy how much of an area you can see before you kind of enter it. The only problem is many of these guards appear to have exceptional we're talking PSYOPs, we're talking Far Cry, we're talking 2020 vision here, and they can spot you while you're trying to get from A to B quite easily. As I said, the, these are large open areas, which can often mean that you're just trying to dart across a patch of land without anywhere to find cover. You know, big, large roads in certain cases, it's taking place in a city. And with the guards' greater eyesight, they'll clock you. <laughs> And when they do, holy mother of God, there is no escape from death. Like if you've played the game, you'll know, dear listener, I know Josh knows, I know Adam knows. But as soon as you're spotted, it feels like enemy guards just appear out of thin air, all descending on your location. You see red laser sights from their guns. You see laser sights from the countless drones flying about. It's just flashes of red everywhere and some few seconds later you'll die and Mikhail will say something like I'm too young to die or something like that <laughs> look I'm grand with challenging games that feel fair games where mistakes feel like they're your fault I'm also cool with feeling a certain amount of weakness in stealth games stealthy scenarios it's imperative a lot of the time because you know otherwise you just take your gun out and you mow people down like you're the doomslayer but here, it is way too much. I'm not, I'm not here to go on a ghost run. You know, like I have a shotgun, I have a machine gun, I have a pistol. Uh, sometimes you can pick up like Gatling guns or whatever. Like I want to be able to use these weapons if things go badly. And then I, you know, find some safety and regroup and then go back out sneaking. Left alive on normal difficulty doesn't allow for that. If you're spotted nine times out of ten, you have a fucking firing squad on you in seconds. And they will make sure you don't live through their attack. It is bullshit. Like, as I alluded to, there were countless times where I felt my distance was sufficient, but a guard would clock me. Or there were times where I was pretty sure I had a guard's pattern in my head only for the guard to do something I hadn't anticipated. That's just a, I don't know, they're a bit erratic. I wouldn't say that's the case for all of them. That would maybe be a bit unfair. But some patrols are just difficult to read. And in a game where I'm so weak, that's just no. And Because I, I, I mentioned this earlier and I suppose I, I glanced over it. I played the majority of the game on the lowest difficulty. And if anyone listening wanted to play the game after listening to this podcast. And I'm not giving away my final rating, I swear. I would say 100% play it on the lowest difficulty. It's far more forgiving. However, <laughs> plot twist maybe, I think it's maybe a smidge too forgiving. A smidge, no, a smidge. 
I'm not talking loads. Like it irons out a lot of the problems in the higher difficulties. For example, we spoke about this, but in the lowest difficulty, you can do stealth-like takedowns from the back with a melee weapon. So it's one shot, they're gone. You can also take some lads out with headshots. Um, I mean... <laughs> Stuff like that, for my money, should just be doable and normal. But hey, and one final thing. I just wanted to mention how much I hate the drones. I mentioned them a minute ago, but these little fuckers, they fly about with their searchlight and if they spot you, they'll drop to the ground, they'll wheel up alongside you and often either start shooting you or you get, do you know those little spherical ones that come up and they shock you that, and then they hold, <laughs> yeah. that, that shock holds you in place and then lads come along with guns and finish you off. Just get out. <laughs> I, I'll be honest, right, okay. I, I... From I need to I need to keep myself together here when I'm talking about this game. <laughs> I need to remain calm. I need to not jump the gun on bits and pieces here, right? So I'm gonna try and look at my notes and keep myself together because by God, I had when I started this game first, I did the same as you call them. I went on the the standard normal difficulty that they provide. Exactly what you're saying. I go what's what's designed and this is the way it should be done blah 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 happy days now I lasted with that difficulty up until I think it might have been mission 3 or 4 I don't know which one it really was I think it was it was definitely 3 or 4 anyway now I'll talk about that later on the actual mission itself but like I was so up and down with the difficulty like I would I stayed on like normal and when I got to that this particular mission I was like I fucking can't I can't I can't get through this I can't get through this I'll have to bump it down, did that, got through it, went back up. I was doing all that kind of stuff throughout the game. When I realised how, like, like survival this game was trying to go for, I was kind of like, okay. Now, it's interesting to read the thing a while ago where they were saying about, like, the stealth kills and things like that and how we, we, we didn't want, they didn't want a skilled player to be, like, taking it all. That, to me, is one of the biggest heaps of shit I have ever read because... I'm trying to survive. I want to kill these people and in a stealth manner. But like, as you said, Colm, the enemies have such, they have such a, a way of like seeing you, your presence. Like they give everybody in, in Far Cry a run for their money. The lads <laughs> in Far Cry need to step up their game because the enemies in this it, it it actually blew my mind when the first wave of bullets were coming at me. I actually couldn't because I I remember my first kind of moment of that was like two lads I could see in front of me. I snuck around this kind of like slab of concrete. I got spotted, and I swear to God, it turned into fucking D Day <laughs> within seconds. Where the enemies came from, I do not know. The drones, all that jazz. And it just blew my mind how I could not achieve a, a really decent stealth run. Like, when the game wants you to survive and not really interact with a lot of action at all. No, I'll talk about the like environment stuff later on, but like the strategy of basically like running away from the enemy and all you do is roll. You keep rolling when these when this wave of fucking 
bullets are coming at you. And eventually, the enemies just go, yeah, he's gone. See you later. Look, give up. Right back to back to post, lads. No bother. Good job. It made no sense in my mind. I, I would get away from the situation. I'd run back from where he came, basically. And then I'd turn around and go, right, okay, clearly this is not the route to be going because the levels are quite, quite large. Mm. So it's like, maybe it's not the route to be going. But by God, it, it was punishing. Now we're going to, I'm going to probably repeat myself a lot throughout this, this episode with regarding certain elements of the game. But my word, when they tell you, that, when, we, when we said already, you cannot do stealth kills, right? So they don't really want you to approach an enemy, which is kind of like, all right, which is a real crying shame because it'd be, it'd be a lot of fun. It'd be a lot of fun to do that kind of thing in this type of game. Now, Josh, you mentioned like you can use the, the I don't what is it, a shovel? There's a shovel, there's a pipe. There's a crowbar as well. There's a crow, there, there are a couple of melee weapons you can grab. So, right, you have that. And as you said, Josh, you can slap more of the fucking noggin. They fall down. Then you press like, I think it's R2 or something. It does this like stab, which to be honest, more than enough. You should be out cold. See you later. There are enemies that I had to do that to six times in a row. They don't want you going near the enemy, which ends up resulting for the majority of my time when I went, I'll try and be sneaky. I, do, I did it every time. I would try to just get by, but I would get caught no matter what. And what I do then is just fucking run, run to run straight ahead, not behind, because I just want to get forward. And that was the, the whole strategy of this game. Josh, sometimes you bring up avoidance in, in stealth games. And, and often, I, I think I've even brought it up in this podcast, I'm like, but I, I don't think avoidance equals a good game. Like, this is a game where it's all about avoidance. And I'm not, maybe, uh, I don't want to show my, show my cards just yet. But this is, you know, we're talking about it's, it's many of its problems, I suppose. But I, I know, you, like Adam was talking about, like running away and all that. And that was a tactic that you employed a lot when you were spotted as well, Josh. Copiously. Yeah. I mean, I, then I should say as well, when I say, avo- when I say avoidance, I, you know, I, I mean, you know, success and fun avoidance in video games you know like when a game you know has that as 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 a thing that you can do that's that's i give it a little gold star i i yeah like that's all i meant by that i mean yeah the the way that the the avoidance is kind of implemented in this game is is not is not good the game is difficult in an uninteresting way and that's a real crime i don't mind when things are difficult in fact sometimes i really like it but it's not very interesting to just say, well, well, what if the enemy could take four shots to the head? I mean, the answer is, yeah, that's, well, then, yes, that's quite difficult then. But it's also not interesting from a gameplay perspective, I don't think. So the fact that the enemies are, are very, very uh, hyper aware and also not just hyper aware, but quite twitchy, quite finicky, like you, 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 there is a cover mechanic in this game, um, you can just move behind cover or uh, just organically as, by crouching and moving, but you can also snap to it if you want to. And I did have like guards that would, <laughs> I'd, I'd snap to cover and peep out just a little bit. And and on one or two occasions, actually, I'd be, I wouldn't even be peeping. I'd just be behind the cover. Um, and there's like a fellow on the other side of the cover and it'd suddenly go, wait, what was that? And then it's like, so, so, just sort of like sense that I was there. So, so often it's like challenging in un- uninteresting ways. And that's the biggest crime 
is when is when you don't you don't have the rules of any kind of logic to 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 fall back on you know games can be bonkers but as long as they obey their own internal logic that's that's fine i don't mind um but in this it's like they they break their own rules to make it challenging and it's just that's you know not not very compelling however i did find uh maybe i was just lucky but i ran a lot didn't we all <laughs> most yeah <laughs> Most of the time, I was just crouching and moving through the levels very slowly. Because that's another thing as well. In the absence of systems in place to like meaningfully measure these things, uh, there is no real telling uh, what the distance on your enemy's eyesight is or mm-hmm. or their hearing. Hearing is always one, actually, in just in fucking every video game where it's just like remarkable how common it is <laughs> for like for it not to really be meaningfully presented to the player just you know is hearing a thing in this game yes or no if yes is it signaled to me you know if no right well i'm really annoyed that you know it's just like some games have it some games don't but this one i would always crouch because there was a thing at the beginning where it said crouching makes you quiet a load load of tutorial stuff at the beginning just dumped on you mm. on screen to read but um, but I would often run. And actually, it was nice to hear the fella, um, the director, talking about uh, running. It's because it's not something, it's something that you do in, uh, a fair chunk in stealth games and stuff. But to hear them like talk about it and acknowledge it as like a viable tactic as well, because it's all about survival, is just quite cool. Um, I would often run before I was spotted even if I was just close to the close to the objective I'd, I would I would sprint through um, and just trigger the cutscene <laughs> and would cause alarms to signal behind me and gunfire behind me but I'd already made it to the thing that progresses the cutscene and I would sort of view that as my own meta victory um, because uh, fundamentally it feels like you're uh, like breaking or beating the game or doing a silly video gamey thing to win. Uh, and that's kind of satisfying in its own way, I guess. But um, I actually found that easier than than I would often um, have one tactic that I would use in stealth. It sounds like I think I was maybe a little, I, I had a bit more luck with the stealth than you guys. I, it, I'm not defending it. I agree <laughs> with everything you've said, but I did have some tactics that I used and I I think persevered a little more. But I will say, don't disagree with anything you've said. And I did an awful lot of uh, of, of running. I, I did some running as well, but I, I would say that like I had more luck with stealth when I lowered the difficulty to baby mode. Mm. For, for me, that's kind of how to play the game. It feels way more like a, a normal than normal does, really. But I know one thing that you wanted to touch on, well, both of you wanted to touch on, but Josh, you first wanted to talk about just like the setting and the the world, I guess, of Left Alive. I thought it was really, I th- yeah, I thought it was a really cool idea. I, I, so I, I did just play the game on normal, and I, you're a hero. I thought about <laughs> putting it down, as, well, because I knew, because I know what you were sort of saying about the casual stuff, and it sounds like maybe light or casual is like the way to go. Maybe it sounds like how you you were sort of saying casual might be just a tad too easy or something. I thought, let me try it. The thing is, when you do it on normal, is like I say, it does feel like you're like not playing properly, like you're playing to win, which is why I thought it was nice when the when the director fella actually sort of like spoke about how running is valid. But the idea of doing stealth in a place where it's, well, in a war zone is like, 
fundamentally just a really cool thing. That idea of doing stealth in a place where you just sort of think, well, aren't you just fucked from every angle? And often actually the answer is yes. But it reminded me of like um, Metal Gear Solid 4, like what I think is like the best part of Metal Gear Solid 4. Um which is the which is the opening where uh, Snake is, is 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 in an active war zone and is still using his old stealthy tactics in the midst of a war with explosions going left, right, and center. And I do just it is a bit underexplored, and you know for all its faults, I do think Left Alive did that d- d- does that thing quite well. That idea of like flames mm-hmm. and explosions and down alleyways and soldiers you know murdering survivors and all that sort of stuff you do sort of feel like it it, 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 the setting drives home the idea that it's not just stealth that it's also survival not that that means it's successful it's just a cool idea you quite like that as well adam or is it more rather than i guess the setting it's the the level design that you enjoy yeah like and here's the thing like this like this isn't groundbreaking stuff but i think i was just more surprised by the kind of the overall size of the areas and things. And it just kind of made me feel like, ah, oh, if this, if this just went down the, like, cause I was thinking about this that regarding its difficulty. If this was a hardcore stealth survival game and it just worked in that manner. And I, it was really down to me approaching these bigger areas. Um, with pure caution and picking up my resources and all this kind of stuff and making like, I don't know, traps in here or there and everywhere and just going about my way. It almost, like I know you were saying Metal Gear Solid 4, Josh, and I think it definitely has that kind of um, overall aesthetic, I suppose. But I feel like it could have gone down, if it, if it took that aesthetic and went down the route as of something like Phantom Pain, where do you know when you're in Phantom Pain, you're approaching the areas and you're kind of like, all right, there's the spotlights and there's mm. things around and, you know, you're kind of, just making out your path and getting through it. Yes. It just doesn't offer that. And it's a real shame because a lot of the levels in like a lot of the levels, like you're opening a map and going, I need to get from here to the top of there. And it's pretty open and there's just stuff everywhere and there's guys everywhere. And you're just kind of going, okay. And if that, if it mechanically just worked right, I think it would have been absolutely brilliant in that sense. But, um, it, it, it was just a bit like I was quite I was just overall surprised by like the kind of overall scope of, of the, the maps I suppose one thing I wanted to touch on we haven't kind of spoken but like we, I guess we've mentioned the survival aspects and all that and the, the gadgets and the tools that that you can craft uh, so I wanted to talk about that specifically one but I suppose firstly I don't think Left Alive gets nearly enough out of its survival elements out of its crafting mm. like I used a handful of the gadgets, the the tools that you can craft loads. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, the, I guess, the more aggressive ones, like the explosive can and the Molotov cocktail. Mm -hmm. Use them a lot. Or the the distraction items, which are just empty can or a glass bottle. But, like, I don't know, a lot of them are just really lacking. Like, even the crossbow. Mm. 
which for some reason isn't just a weapon. Don't understand that. Uh, the aiming is rubbish. And like when I got a crossbow, I was like, oh yes, like a stealth weapon. This this is good. It's like, nah. it's just, it's not, it's, it's nah. Nah. basically yeah. noises. Yeah. Um, I, I, look, I, like I would love to hear if either of you use traps much because I tried, but I just never found them that useful. No. If I laid down a mine and I try and get a guard to walk over somewhere, like over to the mine or whatever, the kerfuffle will often, and it did, it just attracted more guards. Yeah. yeah. So like what this game actually needed, if, if it wanted you to utilize traps, mm. it needed a few more this is actually the second Gears of War reference I'm making, but it needed more <laughs> horde mode like arenas where like, where traps, they would have worked there. Like there's one, there's, there's one area I can kind, I can kind of think of that, that works, which is where you find the politician in the government building um, because you find him and then the game says that enemy approaching, which we'll talk about. And, <laughs> and like they're, you know, you have some time to lay down mines and try and create a sort of a death trap for for enemies. But you're not given enough time. And I th- that's the only area I can think of. And I basically just relied heavily on guns there again. Um, mm-hmm. So trying to create, trying to be a master kind of stealth guy who's laid down all his traps and all of that will do the work for him. It just didn't, it just didn't work. But with all that said, I must mention the enemy sensor. Now, I am a fan of this. So, yeah, as I said, there is no radar, no minimap, whatever. But yeah, what you do have are these little craftable throwables called enemy sensors. And when you throw them, they will show you all enemies in your vicinity in a fairly wide radius as well, actually, in the game world. So it allows you to see the enemies through walls with this kind of like pulsing red outline. Like, it's a fairly effective way of including some sort of detective mode or Joel's magic hearing from The Last of Us or or whatever, Dishonored you can see through, Hitman Instinct um, mode as well in that. Like, but it, it creates some sort of nonsense in-game logic for it. Uh, and as, as well as that, because you're crafting these, you have to ask yourself, you know, if it's worth using your resources on them or when you should use them. Mm-hmm. So it does successfully create that risk reward because you know you throw it in a bit where there are loads of enemies around then you know you you've got a way better understanding of where to go and where not to go and that's you've been successful there but you throw it where you maybe think there's a lot of guards but then there's actually only a few or maybe they're far away it's like ah shit i've wasted one so it it it's it's a very creative way of doing that seeing through walls mechanic like I, I must say, I did quite like the enemy sensor, but I, I know you mostly, Josh. I, I alluded to this. Used your, your lures quite a lot. Your, your empty bottles, your empty cans. That was a big, a big deal for me. That was, it's kind, kind of cheap, kind of cheap. But you could pick up a can, and there's loads of cans knocking about in this game. Big can game. Uh, I guess it's a war zone. People have dropped their cans. But you just go picking up cans and um, you can just throw them and basically just lure guards out the way. It's kind of the, the only real, I mean, there are just situations where, you, you know, you just go down an alleyway and there's a guard there with his back to you and he ain't moving. 
So it's kind of all you can. If, if you want to do it stealthily, I guess you could either lump him around the head with a pipe or you could throw a can. And I just defaulted to can throwing and um, uh, the smoke grenades, which are nuts. When there's like a group of three or four guards and your objective is like, I don't know, t- 20 metres past them and to the left. So I'm, I just get impatient. I'll be like, right, it's gas time. And um, <laughs> chuck a gas grenade in the middle of them. A load of white clouds come out and I just sprint past them. That's brilliant fun as well. Cheapo tactics, but I sort of feel like the game is going, yeah, you're in a war zone. So, so fuck you. Cause what are you going to do to survive? And my attitude often was like, right, well I'm can man then in that case. And actually, and I just sort of thought, yeah, it made, it made me feel like I was beating the game to use that old phrase, which like sometimes can be quite satisfying. It's like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to run and trigger a cutscene, and that doesn't make any sense because there's guys behind me shooting me in the back, but but they're, they don't exist now because the cutscene's been triggered. So, yeah, a lot of that, a lot of empty cans. Good times. Great times. So, yeah, this next one I wanted to talk about, I think, maybe I didn't. I, 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 I might have mentioned this earlier very briefly, but uh, so in Left to Life, as well as your your main quest, when you get on a level, as Adam said, you know, you bring out your map, you go to the red dot, that's your, your main waypoint. But you also have side missions in a lot of the levels in the game. And you have this AI helper that I mentioned earlier, Koshka, who will stick some blue dots on your map. And these blue dots represent a civilian survivor who has been caught in the war zone. Now, often... I don't want to say all the time because I didn't see all of them, but I'm pretty confident a majority of the time these involve you escorting a survivor to the nearest escape point on the map. There is often maybe like three or so on each map. Now, I didn't do anywhere near all of them. There are 30, I believe. I think it's 30. I remember doing six or seven, maybe. Now, the reason I didn't do more is because they all followed that basic same escort mission style, which became tired fast. And the risk was nowhere near worth the reward. I talk about risk reward with regards to the enemy sensors. Like here, <laughs> just, the reward just isn't there for me. So I suppose um, to explain it a bit further, when I say an escort mission, uh, essentially what I mean is that you're Abe's odysseying people around. You're telling them when to go and when to wait on a specific path. The, the game maps out a path for where the enemy or the, the survivor will run. And it's your job to make sure that there are no enemies between the survivor and the goal because they're helpless if they're spotted. They'll just, if guards come on them, they'll crouch down and just be sh- shot to shit. Uh, on the lowest difficulty, it, it was easier to eliminate enemies on the route. As I said, you are actually able to do headshots on certain enemies, for example. But on the higher difficulties, enemies are such sponges that it's easy to draw the attention of other guards and when you're trying to take out enemies and just make your surroundings a war zone. Uh, The other thing, although attached to that point, really, I suppose, if you die while moving a survivor, if you've drawn attention to yourself, guards come out, they shoot the survivor, they shoot you dead, there's a good chance you could lose 15 to 20, maybe more minutes of game time. Because in Left Alive, most opportunities to save, there are checkpoints, in fairness, there are checkpoints, but most opportunities to save are at these specific points dotted around the map. 
And again, like I said about some of the other things, I'm cool with that idea. It really works in some games, not so much in others. In Left Alive, if I'm just dealing with myself, it's one thing. But if I'm having to move some moron who like just runs into open <laughs> open fire, they're spotted, then that draws the enemy on me, then I may have cost myself like a good bit of time. So like if these little side distractions uh, which I determined if they were going to hinder me that much and if they're going to be so alike and the reward seems so very little that I'm just not interested. And I wasn't, so I stopped doing them. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure your thoughts are similar, Adam. Yeah, very much so. I think after after a few of them and just seeing how they handle themselves and the progress that you lose that you mentioned I was just like this is this is absolutely the last thing I need in this game and like I think the last the other game that made me feel that way was um, I suppose Forbidden Siren Mm -hmm. uh, when you're just doing those escort missions as well like uh, just just know like they they seem promising they seem promising you get your dialogue options all that kind of stuff but overall I was like, look, I have enough on my plate here to start out. I can't be dealing with you. That's exactly it. I have yeah. enough on my plate. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. It's it's a cold, hard, difficult world <laughs> and I need to take care of myself. Yeah. What, what about you, Josh? Did you mess about with the survivor missions much? No, I didn't fuck with them. Didn't fuck with them. It was just like, well, because you sometimes have to do that in the normal game when you find survivors anyway. And it was like, I don't want more of this. It's just, it's more left alive. So, so I had a go and quickly realised the gist of it and just thought, oh, it's this. Uh, I'm good. <laughs> I think that's actually what made me bring down the difficulty. I, I was trying one on, on normal and I was just like, no, no way, pal. Yeah. I'm sorry. You are on your own. Yeah. <laughs> And that is what we thought of the stealth of Left Alive. So we are going to take a quick break and then we will be back to talk about the game's more explosive bits. So we'll be back right after this. All right, then let us now chat about Left Alive's Boom Boom, which is where, yes, we talk about the more explosive bits of the game and just anything else here as well that isn't stealth, basically, in the game. And the first thing I wanted to talk about, and listen, I'll try not to repeat myself too much here, but I do need to talk about difficulty a little again. While most of the game is about stealth, and yes, avoiding your enemy, Left Alive does force you into some good old-fashioned third-person cover-based shootouts <laughs> from time to time. And again, on the game's default difficulty, they're terrible. Like, I-, I touched on this a little earlier, but your enemies are just, they're right little bullet sponges. They just soak up, mm-hmm. soak up your gunfire while they'll have you on the ground fucking lickety-split. And like, <laughs> unless you drop the difficulty... I said this, like, you can't perform headshots. Yeah. Which is fuck. just a serious, a serious bummer. Like, there is a bit in, I think it's level three, where you're playing as Olga in an abandoned hospital and you are using 
turned over tables as cover and looking to gun down enemies mm. while also lobbing whatever explosive throwables you have at them. Yeah. It's a forced action sequence. And I'm pretty sure I ran out of ammo here. Like, I, I was just being destroyed. <laughs> and, and I guess on, on, on normal difficulty, I, I suppose it reminded me that ammo is really, really scarce. If you drop it down, and this is maybe where I said, like, it's maybe a smidge too easy. Ammo does become more plentiful, like to a point yeah. where you are, you do become a bit of an action man. Now, there, there is still, you still need to be wary of enemy placement and all that, mm. but you have a, a, a lot more ammo, maybe too much ammo. But again, like, it, it, on normal, if I have much less ammo, my enemies can take much more damage. I'm just going like, what are, what are we doing here? Especially if you're forcing me into some situations. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't even gotten to how loose aiming feels as oh, well. And I get I that this, that, yeah. like th- this isn't a third person shooter. In fairness, I'm not coming in expecting, again, I'll mention it again. I'm not expecting Gears of War. This is stealth first, fair enough. But if you are going to make me shoot some guys mm. in the big explosive action uh, sections, then I'm going to need an aiming system that feels a bit better than this, I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, I don't know, the, the, the actual... Gunfights and the action, it needs to be better. Mm. Whilst the game never turns into a, a shooter, and, and in fairness, you know, it doesn't on the easier difficulties as well. I will say that it, it doesn't. It's just on the di- easier difficulties, it does give you a bit more of a chance to to save your skin. <laughs> I mean, like you you mentioned there, Josh, you wanted to come in about the the the, the shooting and the aiming. Yeah, I mean, because the thing, because you know, ro- like, they are offering that. And, uh, you know, as we sort of covered in, 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 in the earlier section of the pod, you know, the director was talking about offering these, these, these different, these different ways to do it and saying, you know, it, it is, it is survival and you, you, you can run away and that's valid and it's stealth as well. And, and, and that's valid. And also they mentioned the action as well. And it's not just the mechs, you know, there's, the, as we're saying, there is, there's just forced bits of shooting. And I was, the minute you said that a moment ago, I immediately thought of that hospital one, which was, because on the whole, that was not my approach to this game. So when I was forced to do it, I really had to get to grips with it. And the problem is, is that uh, they don't, they don't do any of the things very well. That's, that's the sad thing about this game is that they offer up like those three big pillars of, of play, you know, the survival and the stealth and the action. It's like, but, but, but none of them like yeah. feel good to do the shooting. I found just that the aiming was, uh, I, and it's not even a, it's not even a frame rate thing. It's like a, it's like a, it's like, um, the calibration of the analog stick. You know, you just move an analog stick in a game and you just go, oh God, like you move the stick, but and it doesn't really move properly with what you did on the controller and it, it's all herky-jerky or it doesn't move for a second and then like three quarters of a second later, then it sort of suddenly moves. It's like, good good luck even lining up a headshot. Never mind the fact the fella can soak up four bullets in his skull. Like even, even lining them up is tough, I found. But... In the end, it was all about the throwables, which not easy to aim either, by the way. You know, picking up all these vodka bottles, whipping up some extra Molotovs and stuff. But it's like, well, even even the arc or even those are not are not the the, the smoothest and the and the nicest. It's it's tough because I don't know if 
we can compare this to something. I mean, we brought up the Phantom Pain earlier, and it's like Jesus Christ, what a mean comparison. But it's not like they had no money. Like it is Square Enix, and I don't know how much money they had. The industry's pretty tight-lipped about that sort of thing. I don't know how big the team was, but it's like I I kind of agree with what you're saying, Cullum. It's like if you're gonna offer that stuff, though. You know, you look at something like Phantom Pain and it's like, yeah, you can go through the whole game and not fire your gun. But like when you do, the the shooting's really nice as well. Like if you're going to offer that stuff, you you really have to, you know, have to have to execute it. I'm not saying it now, nor would I ever say it. There's a horrible cliche where people go, oh, you know, it's lazy devs. That's never that's not what it is. Uh, and that's an ignorant thing to say. But. What you can sometimes say is when something feels like lazy design. And I do think that if you just say, well, these guys can take four headshots, that's just a, a, a lazy approach to challenge. And I think the fact that the shooting doesn't feel good to do, coupled with that lazy feeling approach to difficulty, <laughs> just makes the confrontations unworkable. Everything he said is absolutely spot on. When it came to the boom boom. I, I honestly, I was, I was left speechless. I think this is a complete shambles. The, as you said, Colin, the enemies soak up so much. It's a disgrace. I had a situation in like, I think like an underground section where there was like three enemies in it, like down the kind of a, a narrow kind of corridor. And uh, I just said, oh, look, I'll try some of the, the, the Molotov things and stuff and see how we get on with that threw it down absolutely pinned like one lad straight into the chest with it like slap and the flames came out they all did the same animation at the exact same time together they were all like waving their hands (laughs) perfectly in sync with each other survived the whole lot of it and then all that happens is they come they they're amazing at finding your location incredible they come at you and it's just this like hilarious like head on we're just laying bullets in turn hoping for the best here and then you eventually just get you get worried that you're about to die you roll and just run away I think the action that's in this game it just isn't fun even down to them saying they didn't like going back to the the thing about the stealth thing and they didn't want like these skilled people coming in and just cleaning out enemies okay now you're not letting me clean out enemies with guns. How do I clean out the enemies? How do I get rid of them? Because I'm getting caught when I start sneaking around. There's no wind factor going on here for me. Well, look, you mentioned there about throwing Molotovs at lads and them doing their kind of synchronised Bruno Mars style kind of dancing. <laughs> well, Josh, you wanted yeah, to talk yeah. about crafting all your all your items the so the crafting in the game is like a big part of the game it's a survival game and you have to craft an awful lot of stuff but the crafting along with the basic controls of the game by the way i I can't remember if i wrote that down but it 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 ties it ties into this thing uh just 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 either odd decisions or uh, just so much like clutter. So you have to craft a lot of stuff, but the the, the menus are just like r- quite daunting. And I know that that makes me sound like a, a you know fuck it. There's people like Milsim fans who are just going, "Ah, oh, you're an idiot!" Like come off it. Like, but 
I'm looking at the menu and I'm just looking at these like like a bibliography of stuff, and it's just like, and it's all clumped together, a load of menus sort of layered together, and at and at one point, uh, I don't know why it's stuck in my head. I, I at one point I spotted three different kinds of landmine. And it just annoyed me. And I just, <laughs> I just, it was, there was an IED, which is sort of makeshift thing, an RC mine, remote control, and an IL something M landmine. And I just thought, I, I, I'm not going to engage with that. I, it, there's just too much stuff going on here. And, Maybe that's just maybe, you know, get getting daunted. I get that a little bit when I play like Monster Hunter. I, 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 it always turns me off in games, a bit like Baldur's Gate as well. We, you know, you just see a stacked menu with loads of numbers and stuff. And I just go, oh, Jesus Christ. All right, calm down. Let me just, you know, have a breather here. But they felt way too complex. They felt too clumped together. And it felt like, you know, when I think about, it's the second time I've done this on this podcast. And I, and I, but, but going back to like Metal Gear Solid 5, it's like you think about all the complicated shit that you've got to do to build up Mother Base. There's a f- metric fuck ton of stuff in that game from who you recruit and where you put them and what their expertise does for you, how much currency that generates, you know, for Mother Base. I'm not saying I'm against that complexity, but it's just, it's the, it's the way that it's delivered. There are ways to pass that. And I guess that's the sad difference when you have, you know, polish and time and all the rest of it. And there are ways to make that complexity feel a lot better, is what I'm trying to say. And in this game, it did not. I'll tell you what can get a tone though, Josh, is like when it comes to that crafting system and stuff, when you open that menu, when you're saying there's loads of stuff there and it's all a bit like full on, there's nothing worse than that being there and the game not pausing. Oh my God. Yes, 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 yes. That's a fucking good point. I, if yeah. there's ever a game that should not have that <laughs> feature, it's this yeah. game. Jesus, when I realized that I was getting destroyed when I was trying to figure out some bits and bobs, it just, just go away. You're not, you're, it, it's such a, like, it's such a from software kind of thing. Go away. That's not what they should have. That's yeah, it's true. That's the FromSoft that yeah, I didn't didn't make that connection actually. Yeah, it's it's going back to the the guy you know worked on Dark Souls and it and it and it remind me of MGS Five as well. You remember the little hologram thing that spits the menu up in that and you kind of you can yeah, sort of yeah. ghosts through it. Yeah, just 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 fuck off. If I've got to do three different <laughs> kinds of landmine, just give me a fucking pause, please. No, lads, to change gears. Apt, I suppose. Oh, if you're looking nice. for the biggest, <laughs> the biggest boom boom in Left Alive, look no further than the the fuck off sized robots called Wanzers. Yeah, it's been mentioned loads, but yes, there are just these very large mechs in this fiction which you can hop in, and there is no sneaking here behind the wheel of a Wanzer. If Wanzers have wheels, <laughs> you are just a harbinger of death. I'd love to sit here and tell you, or solely tell you, that it's a whale of a time being in one of these. But there are some caveats. Now, you know, I'll get onto the fun I had. But, for example, 
a chunk and a, no, a, a, a notable chunk, a chunk worth mentioning, I suppose, uh, of my Wanzer fights did devolve into these battles where I, in my Wanzer, would be face to face with another Wanzer and both of us would just be spamming our attacks, hoping that we can outlast the other one. Those ones, eh. That's not great. That's not great. Um, they they also aren't the smoothest ride, no. I suppose. But you know, again, in fairness, we are talking about giant robots, so mm. like you like it. It does give you a sense of heft, I suppose. The ones or battles I enjoyed an awful lot more were in the larger open areas because. It should be noted, these mechs have the ability to dash quite erratically in one movement left to right. Mm. You can strafe left, strafe right right in like one fell swoop. You can also, for a brief period, uh, I don't know, use some rockets that are on the back or some NOS or something and basically fast and furious your mech straight ahead. (laughs) (laughs) So like if, if you're doing that, your enemy is doing that, then these fights can become like way, way more dynamic. So like there's also fun to be had when you get into a Wanzer because like uh, one thing I liked is that you don't know what weapons you have at your disposal in each ones or mm. like some might have homing missiles. You might have a big energy blast thing. You might have an anime sword. Yeah, some of them. Yeah. So like there is, there, there's like a nice sense of wonder getting into a mech and going, I wonder what this has. I wonder what it has. Oh, phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> now, g- generally speaking, it does make a nice change uh, from the majority of the game. Yeah, you know, it's just yeah, a nice, like, sure. oh, here's a little deviation. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's the only time where you feel somewhat on an even playing field with your enemy. So, like, in that regard, it's just, yeah, it's, it's just a nice change of pace. In fairness, and I, I'd like to make this clear, it's not like, I, you know, I loved these battles, but, like, I found them, like, pretty fun in a disposable way. And, and in fact, one of my main issues about the Wanzers is that, frankly, there aren't enough of them. Uh, yeah, I was just, just going to say. There aren't enough situations where you can just hop in one. Like, unless I miss something pretty drastic, you can only get into a Wanzer in areas where Left Alive has dictated it. Yeah. You know, so like, this isn't... <laughs> this isn't like a mech GTA where you can just like run along, see a Wanzer and steal it. Um, no, like I, I, I'm not saying the answer is to like change it and have it be mech GTA. I'm not saying fundamentally change the game, but but I would have definitely welcomed just more chances to get it, get into one and just start lobbing rockets about. Would you say like I if this game had... Twice, two or three times the amount of Wanza action, it would be significantly better. If at the end of like every other mission, they were like, and now to cap off that bit, have a bit of Wanza, I think that would like totally brighten the game up. But as, yeah. Oh yeah, that's my thing with it. Just more. Do more of it. They're literally, I was going to say they're a huge part of the fiction, but I think that's even under underselling no, they, it. Yeah, they are the fiction. They, they, yeah. They, they, so, so like, why why aren't there more opportunities to use it's a It's really baffling. I get the whole, uh, well, you know, it, it's front mission, although we're not marketing it like that, but it's front mission and, and we want to do a thing where... 
you know, we tell the story of when the guy gets out of the water. Actually, this is a survival thing. It's like, yeah, but the thing is, is that you've got these things that are a lot more fun than all of the rest of the video game. <laughs> and that that <laughs> creates a problem. But yeah, what did you make of the Wanzas, Adam? Were you a big, big Wanza guy? It was what it was. You darted around the place. Couple of action bits. It, it, fire rockets all around the gaff. Okay. I felt like I was having a bit more fun and it felt less soul destroying. <laughs> <laughs> now, something you didn't find soul destroying one bit, Josh, I think was, and we spoke about this earlier, uh, going up to a lad from behind, taking out your melee weapon and smacking him a bunch. It was, it was a, pr- it was just a little treat for me. You know, it was just a little, every now and again, take time out and be good to yourself and just treat yourself to something. <laughs> and for, for me in this game, yeah, every now and then I'd spot a little fella I think, well, there's no, none of your mates around here, pal. And uh, you're actually going down quite violently uh, for no real reason. But I would, and the lead, the, it's, oh, lead, 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 lead. But video games have got great uh, mileage with the, with the lead pipe. Like it's, it's, I love a lead pipe when it pops up in a video game. And that was my little... I'm going to treat myself. I'd sneak up behind a fella and just smack him to death with a lead pipe. And if you, if you can get three good hits into his head, um, he, he'll go down before he can do anything else, uh, before he can even bloody complain about it. And then when he's on the floor, you get the prompt, <laughs> which was brilliant. It's not, it just says, you know, press R2 again, basically. It sort of flashes up. And, uh, but the animation's top stuff. The, the guy does like a sort of leaping off the top turnbuckle. For, he fucking caves the guy's brain in with the lead pipe when he's on the floor. And I just say it's so over the top and brilliant. And it's like, they're trying to tell this somber story about survival and stuff. But then there's this animation of Mikhail just going hell for leather on his <laughs> with a lead pipe. Uh, d- silliness, daft fun, but hey, grab hold of daft fun when you can find it in a game like this. I think hundred percent. Yes. So that is what we thought of left alive's boom, boom. So now we're going to talk about the most noteworthy mission leveler area that stood out to each of us. So as I always say, this isn't necessarily our favorite or our least favorite. I mean, often it is, but it, you know, it's, it's just a mission that stood out to each of us for whatever reason. And Adam, would you like to start us off? Look, it's going to be, it's going, I, 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 I think it is chapter three and it's called Aimless Wandering. I think the main, the main thing in this, in this mission is there, you're like the four, is it the platoon, platoon the 14th platoon. And you, you're just doing what you do for the majority of the game is just push forward, I suppose. But this mission stood out because this was, Oh dear God! Like, did I spend a long time suffering in this in this mission? Because it's really where all the problems came full belt at me. The the difficulty, just the the whole lot of all the challenge was just ramped up to such a degree. I was like, what is happening? And like, I was being. I I think in my mind, I was just being so unbelievably arrogant. 
with the whole thing and I ref- I was refusing to bring it down to like the, the lowest difficulty which is like yeah. it's nothing to it but you know I just didn't want the game to get the better of me and it was it was still such an early stage I was like come on I can surely get through this so I tried so many things but no matter how hard I tried I was caught and I mean I get caught and I would just run and the, the running and the amount of enemies that are shooting at you in this particular mission. Now, there's many more missions quite like it, but this was the first time that I was like, holy shit, how was I supposed to get through this? Um, it just <laughs> it just blew my mind. It was, it said a lot about the game. I, I, I was almost after making my mind, my opinion on the game through this whole thing. It was, um, and I think it's at the, in the same level, I think you get one of the mechs at the end. And that's what you run towards. And it was like, oh, great, get this. And I, I tell you, when I got to it, I turned around. And I was like, come at me, you pricks. Here we go. And I was like <laughs> so excited when I got to it. And it was it was what it was. We just spoke about it. But yeah, that particular mission was just a complete game changer in every aspect of Left Alive. Josh, what, uh, what, I suppose I should say, yeah, all the levels are, ju- are just called chapters or kind of in your, your big open worlds. But yeah, what, um, what chapter stood out to, to you? I went with chapter seven, Twisted Hopes, um, for I guess like a couple of, a couple of like slightly nicer reasons, really. Um, so you're playing as Olga and the idea is that you've got to find a way to escape the city Um and so they're looking around. She goes to the harbour and is is looking around there for various things. Uh, you find some survivors. You, you find a, a wanza. But um, the reason I picked it was because it had the most Metal Gear vibes for me. So you're you're in a kind of like military industrial area, loads of troops around, and it kind of looks a little bit drab. There's like a load of crates and stuff, like rows of crates. Reminds me of like... Um, like Peace Walker or, or or something like that. But um they actually the crates and stuff, even though they look a bit bland and shit, they do help with the stealth because it just it, it really neatens up the sort of line of sight stuff. It's just like, well, it's a crate and there's a row of them and there's a guy. So mm-hmm. if I just jump, it just kind of sort sorts itself out. Decent enough stuff. Um it it, it also involves at one point you you find a a, a wanza and then you get a chance to pilot that and go a little bit nutty, um, blowing up all sorts of folks. And there's another Wanza that you fight as well, um, which is is good fun. As I say, not a big mecha guy, but I did play that new Armored Core uh, late last year. And I got some some sort of similar vibes. There's like a dash move in that game, which is similar. And then I thought... Oh, well, it is kind of cool, you know, some of these guys that, that you know, that were working on this game worked on Armored Core and it's in it. And, that, and it, was, it, was a, it was a fun, it was a fun bit. And in this, in this one mission, it kind of seemed to have a little bit of everything, like probably the most tolerable passage of stealth out that sticks in my mind. Good little bit with a Wanza. And then it, it culminates in finding Julia in the cage and the bit with um, Borodin that we spoke about earlier. But it has this amazingly um, awful cutscene where um, Olga finds um, Julia in, in in the cage, and uh, they the the script is insane. It um it like takes a really basic idea and like fully explains it for the player. 
I had a little girl once. She'd be about your age now. I couldn't protect her. But I won't let that happen again. I won't let them take another child from me. So I... I'm a replacement. Are you helping me for her sake? You're pretty smart. But that's not it at all. Nothing I do will bring my daughter back. Nothing I do will change the past. But you and I... We're still alive. And as long as we're alive, there's got to be something we can do to change the future. There's just gotta be. <laughs> I just... Which, it really made me laugh because, like, while they're having this back and forth, which is, like, about serious shit, you know, the woman's, like, lost her daughter and stuff. Mm. And, like, the music from Abbey Road Studios just comes crashing in, just like this, like, really, like, mismatched, like, Harry Gregson Williams-style military music while they're having this heart-to-heart. -heart. And I just sit in there just thinking, this is nutty. This mission has a little bit of everything, I guess. It's got the sh sort of honking drama, which goes for sincerity and ends up ruddy bonkers. It's got it's got the ones as it's got the it's got the stealth in as much as this game ever has stealth. It's got it all. It's chapter seven. <laughs> so for my one, I, I'm being a bit of a cheat uh, because I have gone for two. Uh, for two levels. I, I've gone for how specifically how chapter 12 which is called serve and protect how that speaks to chapter 13 which is called bottom of the ninth or or how your actions in chapter 12 impact chapter 13 so the final three missions are all leading up to the three um the 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 three playable characters ending up on the roof of a skyscraper and heading off in a helicopter after saving their own skin, if not the entire world. Uh, so firstly, in chapter 12, this is the final level as Olga and her main mission is to find the little girl that we've mentioned throughout and Josh just mentioned her there, Yulia, and she attempts to save her. But that's kind of not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the side missions that are on this map. There's about five or six and each of them, it's not overly complicated. They, they basically amount to kill the enemies in this area that are loitering around a Wanzer. And Olga says something to the effect of, if I killed those soldiers, it would really help the guys, whatever she says. <laughs> so I did all of those side quests. Then I went and did her, Olga's main uh, mission on that level. Then in chapter 13, you're playing as Mikhail on the same map. And this is much more explosive as the easiest way to success is to find and pilot a Wanzer in this level. Now, here's the cool thing. And uh, I'll say, I, I've tried to make sure that this is the case by looking on the internet. And if one of you wants to correct me, feel free. But as far as I can tell, the number of Wanzers that Mikhail can get in, in this area, on this map, depends on the number of side quests that you've successfully completed in chapter 12. So if you did three, there'll be three ones, four if you did four, etc. And that's fantastic. Like, 
narratively, the characters interact with each other on and off. They'll meet up with each other, then separate, and then they'll come back and blah, 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 all during cutscenes. But the idea that you, the player, can influence something in a later level through your actions in an optional side mission on an earlier level, that's great. Like, as I said, I I didn't play through this level multiple times or anything like that, but a, a bit of Googling led me to believe that this is, in fact, the case. But anyway, I, like, I just, I would have liked more of this because these three main characters, they end up on maps that the others have visited earlier, like, all the time. So it would work. But either way... There, there's, there, there was kind of nowhere else for me to talk about this, which is why I wanted to talk about here. I just, uh, I guess, uh, talking about missed opportunities, maybe, I feel like this is another one because this doesn't happen a lot, really. And I, I just, I quite enjoyed it here. So the, those were the levels that stood out to us, as well as our thoughts on the boom boom of Left Alive. So let us take a quick break and then we will be back talk about all these characters that we have mentioned throughout because who is Mikhail really well we are going to talk about it after you dear listener listen to this very short musical interlude all right then let us chat about the story of left alive so the story the main story of left alive I mean, I recapped it uh, earlier for you. This may shock some listeners and perhaps some of my co-hosts as well. (laughs) But Left Alive's story is okay. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to go much further than that. I will say it's okay, decent anime fair. Like, it's, it's a story about two warring nations and some big robots. It's pretty easy to see. Garmonia is in place of a Russia. Ruthenia is in place of a Ukraine. It, it's a, you know, warring countries in Eastern Europe. It's, it's clearly attempting a similar tone to a Metal Gear Solid with attitudes towards war. Like, what the point of it is? How many lives have to end in one group in order for another group to feel safe? You know, is war okay? Blah, 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 blah. We'll get on to the voice acting itself later properly but the script I mean Josh mentioned it in the last section but like it it is pretty cringy at times mm. it is pretty cringy like the the baseball guy I kept mentioning <laughs> earlier he just loves baseball and he is going to tell you absolutely loads um, I know I, I've mentioned it a couple of times but it is only right the listener gets to hear it so here is one of Left Alive's secondary antagonists mentioning the sport far too much at different points in the game. Also, you're going to hear other characters talk with him and at points they feel like they have to match his energy and thus also begin (laughs) using baseball metaphors. So yes, uh, here's the character Ivan, uh, who is yet one of the secondary antagonists of the game, talking about baseball. You like baseball? I can't get enough of it. Three strikes and you're out. And you've already got one. I'm impressed, rookie. I didn't think I'd see you alive again. What's your name, anyway? Staff Sergeant Mikhail Shivalov. Ruthenia Army, 2nd Mobile Platoon. Now you. I want to know who I'm playing against. 
Now that's a question. Are we abandoning baseball for guessing games? One home run isn't gonna win you the entire game. Let's finish this. I don't exactly have time for any extra innings. You wanna play ball? Then play with me. I'll stall him. Get underground. I'll meet you there. Now then, you ready to play in the major league? It's the bottom of the ninth! Don't ruin it, whining! Bases are loaded and you're up to bat, Mikhail. Show me what you're made of! You think you beat me? Think again. The game's not over until one of us dies. Whoops. I missed. This is why I suck at baseball. <laughs> I mean, that's brilliant. But like, we'll, <laughs> we'll get to the voice acting uh, properly in a moment. But I just thought I'd stick that in here while I, while I was talking about it, kind of about the script. But on the script, yes, there are lines in here that will make you contort your face in very unpleasant ways. <laughs> but parts of it are competent. I will say, I mean, I suppose I found parts of it, maybe like baseball men, kind of <laughs> endearing in a schlocky way. Because like, this is a silly story about big robots. And of course, a lot of the dialogue is going to be written as it is. But, and I think this is a failing of Left Alive's story, or at least the, uh, I don't know, the mis mishmash that's there, because like, it's a silly story, but it's a silly story that has ideas above its station, uh, about its own importance. Like, it believes it's making a point when often that point is either obvious or half-baked. Like, you know, <laughs> oh, people are, people, people dying is bad. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it sure is. Mm. Like, it, like, it's good fun and it revolves around double crosses and the usual lark, but it's those moments where it thinks it's saying something that it grates because, as I said, uh, it's, it's, it's often not. And um, actually, uh, I, I, I said, you know, it, it has some twists and it has character reveals. It has all of that. But unlike, say, I feel like we've mentioned this a lot and it does feel a bit unfair to, to, to mention it in the same breath. But unlike, say, Metal Gear Solid, it's, it's obviously a gigantic inspiration. Left Alive doesn't set up its twists. So like, a character will tell you that group A, let's just call him, isn't behind the big bad thing, nor is this other group you know about, group B. It's actually group C, group we've never fucking mentioned before, or if we have, it's only been in some collectible newspaper articles that you could easily miss. Like, just get out. Get out out I am not having that it totally kills any sort of big moment like it's if anything it's the opposite to my problem with psyops in psyops they just info dumped on you when they introduce someone uh, but here they almost expect you to know more without having told you it's it's just bad like I don't know, I, I feel like I've gotten around the houses there, but I was trying to say, obviously with many, many caveats, the premise of Left Alive's story and parts of it are okay, let's say. Yeah, I'll, I'll join in your um, shockingly generous praise there. I, yeah, I think, I, think, uh, I, I think the premise is cool. I think it's cool. It, you know, it... it 
Uh, it's sort of Metal Gear again. Um, keep mm-hmm. keep keep bringing yeah. that up, but uh, didn't didn't mean to. This has turned into like a weird Metal Gear adjacent episode, but I guess it kind of makes sense. It's you know it's the whole thing with the war economy, specifically uh, Metal Gear Solid Four as well. It's the thing with the war economy, and uh, in Metal Gear they got all the PMCs that fight all the proxy wars. In this game, you have like the economic blocks. Um, although I thought it was quite funny on the intro. To the game it was like oh we don't have countries anymore we've got economic blocks and then it showed you the blocks but the blocks just sort of went over where countries were <laughs> so it's like oh they're kind of still countries but all right fine and then it's yeah you've got the um the eastern european thing was you know i i, I thought the sort of central premise of having these analogs for it, it's unusual you know it's off the beaten track that's kind of cool you don't get stuff like this much in games um it's an interesting. It's an interesting angle. It it doesn't it doesn't do an an awful lot with with that. You know, it doesn't doesn't mm. tell particularly like compelling personal stories within that. That's maybe like the great failing of Left Alive. It's really it's really funny. It's like the, it reminds me of like uh, something like this War of Mine or something where it's like. Well, we want to do war, but we but we want to do it by highlighting the the personal tragedy because that's often what gets swept aside in 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 war and like also in media. But you know, you you sort of home in on on the on the bad stuff that happens to like a single character. But it's funny because it, in this game, it's like, well, yeah, it is about survival and it's about all this stuff. But the 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 main guy and and well sort of all all the main characters they don't really sell you on the personal stories as well they sort of fall short as well so so in the end it's like it 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 was really sort of just a premise where I just thought it it's a cool idea I fundamentally can get on board with the idea but just you know not much else about the way that 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 idea works I did think as well that the the characters it it's a cool way to tell the story though i thought for the most part the characters just fell flat like i thought it was kind of cool having like oh you know it's a guy from the from the ruthenian side and he's been separated from his squad and you'll get a certain aspect of the conflict there and then Olga, I thought it was cool with Olga the way it was like, yeah, no, she is ex um, armed forces as well, but it's now um, uh, in the police force uh, and she's caught up in the conflict because on, on, with sort of one foot ethically on either side of it, she's got beef with the Ruthenians. She's actually investigating with the police force. There's a journalist who gets, who gets, who gets caught up in it as well. Um, and then there's Leonid as well. Like there's just, I kind of think it's cool when, when a story gives you something with lots of different brushstrokes. It's like, here's, you know, uh, in, we'll, we'll show you the war from all these different sides. But uh, yeah, as I say, it's just a shame that those individual stories for me, you know, just fell quite flat. Um, cool idea. Cool, cool idea is what I'd say to be kind to it. Well, look, let's get on to the the voice acting the performances and i mean if i I was gonna come here and tell you that the performances are okay well apart apart from one major one that is just the drizzling shits but (laughs) uh, 
I mean, maybe I'm being generous. Like they're f- they're they're a bit poor. They're, they they're are. Bit... They're like I, I I will remember very few of these performances <laughs> in a week's time. But I I don't know. A lot of them over the course of the game, they didn't grate as much as I thought they would when characters were introduced. They're just quite big and silly and mm. I don't know some of it is fine like I, I would say I, I did want to mention the gruff baddie that is the antagonist for the Leonid sections Ruslan easily my favourite easily like where some perhaps sounded like they'd lost interest in parts uh, Ruslan was consistent that's true if you're in a game that is taking itself too seriously uh, then you know be the most consistently serious guy in the room true and like where possible speak in slight riddles so you sound even more serious yeah I I, I was relatively fond of him so here is a short clip of uh, Ruslan speaking to Leonid right before their first big fight in the park I knew we would meet again Leo you had us all eating out of the palm of your hand Is that right? No. My hand is not the one in control. I'm nothing more than a pawn. Just like you. Just like this entire country. Nothing more than pieces on a chessboard. Ruslan Ismailov. Former leader of NGFP. The group that fought for Novoslava's liberation. That is who you know me as. In other words, you don't know me at all. Or the reason I'm here. And what reason is that? The future, Leo. The perfect future. Yes, talking riddles, Ruslan. It's a bit reminiscent <laughs> for 30 Rock fans when Will Arnett speaks to Alec Baldwin. Jack Donaghy. Yes, of course. Jack Donaghy and Devin Banks. And when they have their sort of gruff voice off. Very much like that, but obviously without, uh, without the, the, the quality of the writing, I suppose. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, if you're going to be serious, by God, be serious. And I, again, I might be clutching at straws, but he was my favourite for what that's worth. But listen, we are obviously here to talk about one person, and that is the character of the rookie soldier, Mikhail. So with him being one of the three protagonists, it is quite a shame that, because, you know, you're meant to obviously have a connection with these, you would think, in some way, shape or form. Uh, he's one of the most annoying little weasels you're ever going to come across. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's that higher-pitched, boyish earnestness and sincerity and also unearned cockiness yeah. and just so, so many things. Yeah. And... I do want to point out, some people may be listening and go, but are you meant to feel that way throughout the game? And to that, I say, maybe you're meant to find him a bit uncool or whatever at the beginning. Mm. Uh, but, but like, you're definitely meant to watch him grow as the game goes on. And you're eventually, by the end, meant to think he's all right. You're not meant to hate him, no. which I did throughout from start to finish. And there are plenty of clips I could play, obviously, but... This conversation that I'm going to play really shows the difference between two of our heroes. So here is rookie Mikhail speaking to a guy you just heard in the previous clip, the gruff, hardened, 
other male playable character, Leonid. So Leonid, for context, has just saved Mikhail from dying. So take a listen to this. You saved me. You don't look like a soldier. Who are you? Someone way more used to this kind of scene than you are. Don't they teach rookies not to go wandering around on their own anymore? Where's the rest of your unit? They got everyone. Even my old fart of a commander. Figures. Was it your fault? Say that again! I swear to God! You're a coward. <laughs> Only cowards get so riled up so quick. You hide behind your outrage so you don't have to face your fear. What do you know? Oh, I know. I know exactly how scared you are. Quit trying to fool yourself. You're weak. But you're not the only one. You, me, everyone. We're all helpless. The moment you realize that is the moment you get strong. I get it. Mm, no, on second thought, I definitely don't. What a loser. Yeah. I swear to God. <laughs> what Fucking what an idiot. absolute loser. Uh, that, yeah. Hey, hey. <laughs> oh. Awful. Awful shit. A, re a, a, a real, a real, a real, like, just. He's a prick. He's, he is. He's a dork. He's a dingus. He's an old school dingus. He's a twist. An absolute dweeb a dwe and, and, of a yeah. little boy. And a twerp as well. He's a twerp. He's a twerp, yeah. <laughs> twerp is, is very much Mikhail. Um, yeah, no, no, yeah, no arc. No, no real development. Just, just, an, a, just a twat through and through. His hair's really annoying. Um, yeah. I don't know why his hair is so annoying because, like, <laughs> obviously, like... They had to get in the emo guy, though. It's got... Yeah, I know. And, like, because I think about, oh, Solid Snake, like, but at least he, he's just got a mullet and that's not really on, but whatever. But he puts it in a bandana, at least. This guy, he's got, he's got the flop over. He looks like, mm. like I, I don't know mm. what it is, like a kind of Brian Molko thing, but also quite a lot like Tilda Swinton. It's like... It just wouldn't fly in the army. So you just get a haircut. You know, that's, that's the least of our worries. That's the least of our worries. I'm getting sidetracked on the hair. Every part of, of, of Mikhail was quite, quite aggravating. Um, but yeah, sorry. I, 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 I'll, I, I'll derail it. I got to stop on this, this guy. No, yeah, like I'm rubbish. actually like, I, I, look, I've been listening to you guys talk about that story and stuff like that of this game. And, um, like Jesus, like there's no way I could take any of it seriously because of mainly this character. This 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 character, Mikhail, is is of oh, I tell you, he's he's one of the worst I've ever encountered in a, in a video game. Like he is, he is so unbelievably unsuited. To the situation <laughs> that's at hand here, it blew my mind. Yeah. Like he, I, I don't know when he's talking about like his commander got killed or I don't know. I can't mm -hmm. remember who he's talking about. But early on in the game, he, there's the first real like, holy shit, is this is this guy for real? Like, is it is this the way this fella's going to be? Is when he meets, it's like a general or something. He's like on the ground, injured. I don't know if that's oh, the commander yeah, talking yeah. about. I, 
I'm not sure. But there's some fucking guy anyway, and he's like absolutely on his deathbed. And like, he just like approaches him. And he's just like, what's wrong with you, old man? And you're just like, <laughs> oh my God. And then like your man's like kind of really annoyed. And he goes, you've got some nerve. It's just so stupid the whole time. His entire presence is just an idiot. But you can very easily do the rookie. The rookie character that comes of age is a tried and tested thing. Oh, yeah. It's just M- Mikhail, he, he does come of age because if you think about it, he clears, uh, he kills Ivan in the mech at the end for uh, Leon to get into the building and climb it. And da, 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 da. So he, he does uh, succeed and, you know, he is a rookie no more. But he's still, it's, so he had, I guess he has an arc, but it's not, uh, I don't know, it's not entirely clear in uh, Mikhail's delivery, in the delivery, in his uh, demeanour, just in anything. Like he is, again, all the things we said, loser, a dweeb, a twerp, all of it. He is not the one at all. There's no way anyone can say it different about him. I don't think they will, in fairness. He is a dickhead. So that (laughs) is what we thought of the story and Mikhail. So now we move into our little miscellaneous section where we just add anything that we haven't mentioned earlier and I probably should have mentioned this in the stealth section. You know what? First of all, for the people at home, here is what you hear an awful lot throughout Left Alive. Caution. The enemy is approaching. Now, you hear that. That's your AI, Koshka, who tells you, yes, when the enemy is approaching. But she doesn't just say that when the enemy is approaching. She says that when you are approaching the enemy. Caution. The enemy is approaching. So it is constant. It is happening when they're coming up behind you. Caution. The enemy is approaching. It is happening when you're coming towards them. Caution. The enemy is approaching. It is a barrage of... <laughs> caution, 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 ca-ca-ca-ca. The enemy is approaching. Approaching. Pro-pro-pro-pro-pro-pro-pro-pro-pro-pro-pro-pro-pro-pro-pro-pro-pro-pro-pro-pro-pro-pro-pro-pro-pro-pro-pro-pro-pro-pro-pro-pro-pro-
I think there's like, yes, there is there like, there's the moments of like Metal Gear sounds in the in the menu screen and stuff like that. That's fine, whatever. But like, I think the overall sounds of the weapons, the, the mixing of the whole game, it's bananas. It's all over the shop. And when we were talking about the music at the start of the, the episode, lads, I, 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 I was hearing no music throughout this game. Like, I was hearing moments, but like, majority of this game, I felt had no music going on at all. Now, whether that's something that's like a bug that I went through, I just felt like, in like heated moments of being caught and stuff, no, like there's nothing, there's nothing playing, there's no tension for anything. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. I that that does sound like a bug because you, like every time you're caught, you do there there is a like an alert music. Let's call it. I was getting none of it. Huh. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, that's a definitely a bug. So it right? just made it 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 made these moments. Uh, just incredibly odd. I was yeah, like, yeah, no, that does sound odd. Yeah, I was just like, it was just a a barrage of of bullet sounds, and uh, that's why then I'm focusing so much on the sounds of the guns because that's really all I could hear all the time. Yeah, that's fair. Josh, tell me why the names of the mechs why they're pronounced incorrectly. Yeah, so I just think it's funny that I went on the wiki for front mission and uh, saw this confirmed in a video on YouTube, and it says, uh, and I'm quoting the uh, wiki here on the trivia section, the term Wonza should correctly be pronounced Vonza, with a V. It has, however, been pronounced phonetically in both Front Mission Evolved and Left Alive. So even in their own fiction, they're like, yeah, it should be Vonza, and like in most, presumably, I don't know, they've not had many Western releases. They're like, yeah, it should be Vonza, and in like loads of games, it is. But just randomly, two of our video games, the characters just say Wonza. <laughs> like, I just think that's funny, and it's it's Wonza is a stupid uh, word. Um, I can't take it seriously. I couldn't take it seriously from day dot. When someone said the word Wanza, I, went, I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> but then more and more characters kept saying it. And it's just a rubbish word. It's just a rubbish. I mean, Vonza is maybe a little bit better. But but even then, just, just come up with a different word. Wanza just sounds rubbish. I mean, don't you guys think one like Willy Wonza? Willy Wonza's Mech Factory. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, I just, oh, it's... It's, it's, it's very poor. It's shit. very poor. It's it, shit. In fact, yeah, wasn't that was one of those payday loan companies, Wonza? Wasn't that a car insurance company or something? Yeah, or a car Wanza. or insurance. Guy, the guy on the advert was like, Wonza, yeah. <laughs> that was actually a thing. Definitely. <laughs> oh, Definitely. God. Very quickly, I, I couldn't go us talk about talking about this game and not talk about this. There's free DLC for this oh, game. Phenomenal. That's a tie-in with World of Tanks. Yeah. Just get on. If you play the game, I, I, I'll get it on the PSN <laughs> store or on Steam, whatever. Free DLC. Uh, yeah, tie-in with World of Tanks. Mm. And basically what that means is 
you pick up backpacks in the game that allow you to carry more inventory. <laughs> On the backpacks, you'll have the World of Tanks logo. Yeah. And that's brilliant. Yeah. And also, in this war-torn country, there'll be big, massive posters <laughs> on the wall for World of Tanks. Yeah. Which, again, is fantastic. Oh, yeah. And what's brilliant about that is, is that somehow... None of the bombs have damaged these posters. They're in pristine condition. They are. Uh, yes. and, and that's that's very important. That's brilliant, that. Mikhail just wearing a World of Tanks backpack. What a little prick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that <laughs> is our review done and dusted. That is what we thought of the story of Left Alive. That is what, or any other little bits we had to end as well. And yes, that is what we had to say about Left Alive. But no, we are not done yet because we will first take a quick break and then we will be back to give you our final ratings of this game. So we'll be back right after this. All right then, it is time for The Verdict, which is where, yes, we give you our our final verdict on uh, the game, although I'm sure you have a fair idea from the last couple of hours. But before we get into that, let's have a look at what some of the critics were saying when this game came out. So firstly, James Swinbanks, who reviewed it for GameSpot, gave Left Alive 3 out of 10. And Swinbanks said, quote, The Wanza combat is genuinely rad, but that's it. Everything else comes with a heavy caveat. Be it how underpowered you feel, the awkward movement, the inconsistent bullet impact, the ugly environments, the list goes on. There's almost no joy to be found in playing Left Alive. Only bitter disappointment. Dan Romer of Destructoid gave it 2 out of 10 and they said, quote, The story and characters aren't that compelling. The piss poor stealth is thrown out the window thanks to the force combat and the combat at its best made me burst out laughing in pure disbelief at how terrible it was. DM Schmeier of IGN gave a 3.8 out of 10 and they said, quote, Left Alive's mix of inconsistent stealth and aggravatingly unbalanced action make it a complete chore to play and it runs terribly to boot. Martin Robinson reviewed it for Eurogamer, and no score for for this. Robinson said, quote, This unlikely front mission spin-off's occasional charm can't, can't make up for its seriously broken fundamentals. And finally, Miguel Morin of The Sixth Axis gave it 2 out of 10, and they said, quote, The gameplay is dreadful, the enemy AI is broken, and the visuals are bland as all hell. Those issues are complemented by a boring story and a slew of audio and gameplay bugs that simply make Left Alive a failure on all fronts. But lads, those are opinions of five years ago. I want opinions of now. I want opinions of Adam, of Josh and of me <laughs> as we bestow badges of approval or disapproval on Left Alive. So how this works is that each of us will give Left Alive a rating out of three. The ratings are as follows. A pass, a play or the top marks, an espionage explosion. We change the order of ratings givers on each episode and this week the order is as follows. Column, Adam and then Josh. So let's give our final ratings of Left Alive. So, I'm starting us off here. I'll I'll be the one to rip off the plaster. And I think I may be the... Maybe the hottest on Left Alive. And when I say hot, maybe tepid, I suppose. And tepid is even a bit, <laughs> a bit strong. I will say, firstly, 
Yeah, I, 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 I think the Wanzer or Vonzer combat is, you know, it's it's a nice deviation. It's it's a it's a bit of fun. It feels like more of the game should have that. Um, I think the premise of the story is all right. Ah, uh, I like the enemy sensor, but it's very hard for me to get past this game's issues, which it has myriad, uh, uh, myriad issues. <laughs> and even when it's doable, on as I mentioned earlier, like if you are going to play this game, I would say play it on the lowest difficulty. It becomes, it becomes a more playable game. But at that. I don't think I need to say much more. This is a pass. It is, I will say, like it's it's not the worst game I've ever played. I will say that because <laughs> I feel like it's taken, an, it's taken a serious kicking. This isn't the worst game I've ever played. It mightn't even be the worst game I've ever played on the, for this podcast, maybe. Um, oh, I don't know. But, <laughs> but, but in saying that, it is still a pass for me. Adam Carroll, what say you? Uh, pass, this game is pure shit. <laughs> All right, Josh Wise, what say you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it, it is a pass. It is a pass. It is a pass. Um, but I, 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 th- I think I'm not as... Um, I, I was I was I was very vocal in in the bits of it I did slag off I I don't know that you are like the most kind on it Cullum I think I may be I may be um approaching or even on your level of like I did I did have um there were some things about the game where I would say yeah you know what there's some if someone said should I play Left Alive I would say probably not no but. If they were, uh, you know, a Metal Gear nut job, they're interested in Yoji Shinkawa. There's something here. Ultimately, it's just sad. It's just sad because it's corporate bullshit. It shouldn't have been released in that state. You know, it's not, as we were saying earlier, like the developers know what they made. And and there's potential here. Like, you know, the premise was cool and stuff, but... You know, and there's and there's clearly room here for for some good stuff. You know, more of that mech stuff. Everything in the game just needs to be better, though. That's the bottom line. Unfortunately, it's all just execution, and uh, and it ain't there. Um, so yeah, it's with no no real pleasure. Uh, I have to give it a pass. I think. So that is what we thought of Left Alive. So lads, as they always say, put that to the back of your heads because we need to focus. On the next game we're going to be talking about for this podcast, because on the next episode of Stealth Boom Boom, we're going to be looking at a game that Yahoo said was, quote, packing serious star power, outstanding production values and surprisingly entertaining gameplay. (laughs) Matt Leone of 1UP said, quote, it's big in nearly every way. Big budget, big explosion and a big storyline. And Russ Fisher of GameSpy said, quote, The films are espionage for everyone. 
This is, finally, the game that nails the formula. We're going back 20 years to a game that's based on a licence, which we haven't done many times before in this podcast, but we are doing it again. And you you will have gathered that from the mention of a film, but this isn't a tie-in. So that's a bit different. Because on the next episode of Stealth Boom Boom, we're going to be discussing, reviewing, dissecting James Bond 007 Everything or nothing. I deduced the mission was successful. All of the nanobots were destroyed, except for one, courtesy of MI6 and James Bond. How ironic. Bond has now planted the seeds for his own destruction. Soon enough, the world will know and fear the name Nikolai Diavolo. You'll have everything you desire. Yes, Katya. Everything. Or nothing. I stay for a drive. Why don't you show me the way? Proud of 007. You're not afraid of spiders, are you? First, we take over Russia. Then we unleash our little nanobots on the world. You first. So this is a game I know, I'll start us off, I know nothing about James Bond 007, everything or nothing. Josh Wise, I think you know quite a bit. Yeah, I know bloody everything about it. It's, I'm obsessed with it. I'm really, really excited to talk about everything or nothing. It's top shit. Very good. All right. Well, we'll see if it is still top shit 20 years <laughs> after the fact. Maybe it will be. Maybe it will be. Adam, have you any history with everything or nothing? Uh, I have history with other James Bond titles, but not this one. Never got around to playing it. Okay. Well, that's something to look forward to if you want to play along at home, dear listener. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> figure it out. But yeah, you're going to play James Bond 007 Everything or Nothing along at home with us and uh, come back to us in two weeks' time for our in-depth review of the game. But that just about does it for this episode of Stealth Boom Boom. Thank you very much, dear listener, for listening. Of course... If you have just listened to this podcast, but you want more, you can subscribe to this podcast via your podcast app of choice. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Amazon, whatever. We are on there. Just search for us and you'll find us. And also, please do rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice. And... 
brackets if they're favourable, obviously. Uh, we're not we're not masochists. Uh, we may read your review out on the show as well. Just like this review here from Handy underscore Pants, who said, quote, Love listening to Colm, Josh and Adam discuss the games of my past, brackets and many that I missed in such detail. Production is also top notch. Great pod. Now there's a review. Thank you very much, Handy underscore Pants, for that. those very, very nice words. So yeah, give us a review and then we may read them out on the show. Uh, also, if you want to follow us, on social media you can do so just search for Stealth Boom Boom at Stealth Boom Boom and you will find all of us as well I am at column underscore Ahern Adam is at Adam Zokes and Josh is at Joshy Wise but now it's time for my least favourite part of the show this is the part of the show where bid the listener adieu so say goodbye Adam Carroll goodbye say goodbye Josh Wise bye and say goodbye Colm Ahern Sloan Guffone